Hello and welcome to episode 23 of We Have Such Films to Show You, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. Uh, you like how I actually said the name of the film right at the top of the show, Yakko? You, you like that? Wait, we were supposed to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh yeah, what, did, did you... Uh, what you watch? I just watched my bloody Valentine again. Oh, okay. Well, that, I think that'll make a nice, uh, a good, good frisson as we try and marry the two narratives. Uh, <laughs> I am Josh Millard. I believe it's pronounced Frozen. Oh, all oh, right. Uh, let it go. A lot of I still haven't seen that, so I can't actually make any jokes other than jokes about people referencing it obliquely in online conversations. Uh, but nonetheless, I am Josh Millard, and, and that there is Yakov Grinberg. What up? And uh, and yeah, Texas Chainsaw. We should we should clarify, which I'm sure we did on on Facebook and on the blog and whatnot. Uh, this is the original 1974 Toby Hooper Chainsaw, not uh, the uh, 2003. 2003. Because I mean, there's Texas. There's there's a 2003 Texas uh, Chainsaw Massacre that's like a straight remake, and then there's the one there's a 2013 that's just called Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yes. Um. And so I, I'm not even sure if that's like a third. I think that's a contemporary one, though. I watched the trailers for all of them. Um, and I think that's supposed to be like a contemporary one, but I have no idea. Plus, there was also Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 back in the day, I think. And Yeah, there was, there was, four, there was four Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, one of which were like... Um, hang on, let me, let me, I'll, I'll pull it up so I'm not just trying to recite it from memory. Um, yeah, so there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre was 74. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was also a Toby Hooper, but they went for like a more comedy, like a black comedy angle with that. <laughs> then there was Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, uh, from 90. Then there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation, which stars uh, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey before either of them were actors. It's <laughs> impressive. Um, then in 03, there's the remake by uh, Marcus Nispel, but it's Michael Bay produced. That was like the big deal about it. And oh, that's wow. the one with Jessica Biel in it. Then there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning, which was the prequel to that one. And then there's Chainsaw Massacre 3D, which is a contemporary one, I think, but I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we only watched one of them. And, and we're uh, only gonna, yeah. I, I as mean, far as for for now, at least. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's an interesting thing because, like, I really, I, I do take a general interest in sort of sequels and remakes of franchise stuff. Like, so I, I don't have any antipathy towards the idea of watching other Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw movies, but I just, I actually really liked this one as just what it was, and I, yeah. I feel like it's it's one of those things where I haven't been incidentally exposed to any of the sequels or prequels or remakes and so on. Uh, so at the moment it's actually got a certain kind of purity for me like I, I went into this film really not knowing anything other than there was a guy named Leatherface and presumably a chainsaw and some people would get killed like you know I've, I've managed to never learn anything about the franchise really uh, so versus like Nightmare on Elm Street where I think there's you know something to be said about looking at the first film as the only film there was when it was made at the same time I knew all about sort of like you know, you know Freddy was an icon uh, and I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street 3 as a kid. So, you know, I, I, once I got around to the start of that franchise, I was already sort of a little bit muddled up in the pop culture presence of the franchise. So, so this was interesting for me to just, like, go in about as blind as you could for a super famous horror film, I guess. Well, you know, the weird thing is, like, it, Leatherface, he's 
one of like the 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 new i mean you know like the the old old like horror canon was like you know the universal monsters you got the wolfman you got dracula um frankenstein the mummy and so leatherface is you know like part of the new ones it's you know jason freddy uh pinhead to an extent leatherface michael myers um and you know they've all all got those like you know numerous numerous sequels behind them but just like the old ones the only thing that really sticks about them is just their origin story whether or not or you know like just what they were whether or not that was in the first movie or not because with jason he's not like jason Voorhees until friday the 13th part three i think because i mean he doesn't even get the hockey mask till the third one um, but he's at least present as the villain in the second one. So right, right, yeah. Whereas in the, the first, first one, he's, he's just a, a shocky hallucination. Yeah. Well, I, I don't um, know. Is, do you think he's a hallucination in the in the first one? That's you know, it's been so long. I, I at this point don't even recall if I've seen the first one. Um, and I was just reading about it like a couple of days ago, yeah. and they mentioned like explicitly that he's a hallucination. So that's what I'm taking that from. We should probably do that one at some point. We, we totally should. Uh, we could even do that one next fortnight because I feel like we're on sort of a, a slasher arc here where that might be an interesting thing to like split the middle between uh, My Bloody Valentine and and uh, Texas Chainsaw here. Yeah, uh, did you want to do the first one though or did you want to do one with Jason in it? You know, I, hey, we'll figure that yeah, out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll let's, figure it out. Yeah, let's figure that out. And if you're who's listening right now, you know, we'll probably put up to like, not a vote, but a, uh, a suggestion thing where, yeah. you know, We'll see which one you guys want us to cover. Yeah. We, 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 could, we, could, we could dare to go as far as to yeah. say we'll do a Friday the 13th movie next, next yeah. show. And, that sounds and we'll good. figure out what it is from there and, and how to handle that. You know, uh, they're going to fuck with us and we're going to end up doing Jason X, right? <laughs> I, I'll, Jason watch it. Space. I'll watch it a fourth time. I, you know, you won't have to twist my arm super hard. Uh, I do love a, a, a shitty, self-aware sequel in space. Um. <laughs> um, but, you know, where I was going with this is that, like, you know, um, the, the Leatherface is sort of closer to Michael Myers in that there's not much of an origin story there, like, to start with. And I think that's one of those things that I really like about this movie is that there's no real impetus for anything that's happening except for, you know, a uh, crazy redneck cannibal murder family. Yeah, this, um, this is less... Uh sort of morality play as punishment for iniquity and more just you wandered into a bad place. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's what I sort of like about it, that the sequels don't really take anything away from the original movie because they all add so much stuff that it's, it's just so different that, you know, this remains like the classic. Now I think it's uh I don't know where that sound is going. Please continue. <laughs> I'm going to regroup. <laughs> um, did, did you enjoy the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, yeah, you just said you I did. I did. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. I, I, I was I was interested in it. I was surprised by it. I mean, it's this was not an expensive movie to make. Uh, you know, it's a small yeah, cast, they, few locations. Uh, they, I, I've I've gotten like. I've tried to look up what the budget for this is. It's so it's anywhere from like seventy to three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's as narrow down as I can get for it. You know, IMDb says IMDb is weird because this budget eighty eighty three thousand five hundred thirty two dollars estimated. That's you know that's a pretty close <laughs> estimate there. Well, you know, they, yeah. 
Is it, is it give or take five hundred and thirty-two dollars? It's yeah. There's a little a little bit of play. A little bit of play. Yeah. Made thirty million on that, by the way. So yeah. like at the highest estimate, which was the uh, three hundred thousand dollars, it made back a hundred times over. Yeah, a hundred times its budget. Yes. Well, it's interesting. And 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 Toby Hooper. I'm really not. Uh, not familiar with Toby Hooper as a director. I, I've seen some of the things he's made, uh, but very scattershot and over the years and without any sort of awareness that, you know, Toby Hooper was involved. Um, I, I, I had uh, forgotten. I thought Poltergeist was actually uh, something Spielberg directed, but he produced it and apparently Toby Hooper directed it, which is so weird to me. And I'm kind of curious how that plays into Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 being more of a sort of dark comedy, as you said. Because did we talk about this last time? I found... Poltergeist, I, I haven't seen it in forever, so I need to so- see right. it again. Uh, oh, we were talking about it during uh, the Ringu episode because uh, because of TVs. Ghosts. Um, but yeah, I, I really did find Poltergeist like you know oddly cornball and hard to take seriously as a scary movie when I watched it, uh, which really clashed with my expectations having grown up as a kid, knowing it was a movie I couldn't watch because it was a scary movie. Uh, and it's it, my memory of it is as a film really radically unlike Texas Chainsaw Massacre in terms of what it was like trying to do horror-wise. I, I, I should really watch that again sometime because I, I may be judging it unfairly, but still, like, totally, the interesting thing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just how weird and offbeat even its sort of pacing and, and structure for uh, Yeah, everything about it is just like, it's... You know, you know, like, when people criticize a movie poorly because the movie can't decide what it is, it, this is sort of the opposite of that in in that the movie just wants to be so many things it doesn't actually attempt to be like the best at any of them and that actually works for it so well like the you know like the comedy elements are really weird the the horror elements are scary but there's always the, like that sort of like tinge of 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 just kind of like weird humor to them the the interaction between all the characters is is just bizarre at best and and for some reason it just works so well together that it, you know I, I could easily see how this movie could have ended up just being like a completely forgotten piece of crap like if if everybody hadn't been on the same page basically yeah and but they were and and it just turns into like this really just absolutely wonderful thrill ride also i was um you know you just mentioned test chase massacre 2 as far as the com- comedic elements in that i was just looking up the entry on imdb i'm like that poster really looks familiar and that's because it is a straight up spoof of the breakfast club poster <laughs> like completely <laughs> oh shit it is <laughs> I hadn't even looked at that. That's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah. So um, I remember. I remember Toby Hooper. Like I think in some interview mentioned that he wanted like the second one to be more openly comedic because the first one, like people, I guess, didn't grasp it just because it was so like severely violent. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of stories about like people, you know, puking at the the, the movie and walking out of it. And I mean, I can kind of see that. I, I I don't know if it was just because it was 1974 and then people just weren't used to it. But I mean, like the Grindhouse thing was, you know, was already fully in swing by then. What's his name? Uh, the Blood Guy, not Russ Myers. Right? Russ Myers is the sex guy, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Who's the other guy? The blood guy. The guy that uh, Ebert really likes. I think Ebert really likes Russ Meyer too. Um, It'll come. It'll come. He's he's Jewish. Um, (laughs) 
he did like all of like the seriously like straight up like hardcore gore movies um all right whatever i'll figure it out help sorry by googling um you you go on (laughs) Uh, i I was gonna say uh well i was gonna say a couple things one of them is like there are definitely things that are sort of like funny little moments in texas chainsaw massacre i guess but it -hmm. never struck me and and maybe this is me missing toby hooper's point too but it really is not a film that struck me as really trying very hard to be sort of a funny horror movie it 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 definitely had some sardonic elements to it yeah but like like nothing that i would think of as like oh it's it's one of those horror comedies no it's more like this is this is a this is a horror film where every once in a while i could pick out a reason to laugh absurdly at something uh but uh but that was about it but the other thing was yeah the, the wikipedia page talking about uh hooper's editing of the film is that you know he says something about him trying to minimize the on-screen gore because he's hoping for a pg and it's kind of <laughs> funny because like that. how how on earth could you pg <laughs> this like i could sort of understand a modern build of a movie like this going for pg if it managed to tone some mm-hmm. things down partly because i think it'd be a little bit easier to pull uh, a PG in some ways now, but maybe that's me misunderstanding the difference from like 75. And maybe the, the fact is he both got within a stone's throw of PG, but the part he missed there managed to be the part that also completely, you know, outraged people and got the film banned in several countries. But it, it sounds like a wide miss. It sounds like a real wide miss. Yeah, it got him an X PG. rating at the start. Like his first like submission got him an X rating. And you know, that's, <laughs> That's just like, oh, <laughs> yep. shit. <laughs> you don't Whoops. get to release your movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. And he made Invaders from Mars, which I saw as a kid uh, and uh, found both interesting and scary. Uh, that's not the same movie as Spaced Invaders, right? Right. No, that's a, that's a, that's a different one. He made Freddy's Nightmares, uh, or an episode of it, apparently. Did a shot an episode? Oh, he! Holy shit! He made Nowhere Man. That was like my favorite lousy TV show that got rightly canceled early on. Oh uh, wow! Did you ever see it, that? I remember the yeah yeah. yeah I it was on that. for like was a on year, UPM. maybe two. Yeah, I I definitely remember that. Yeah, um, the guys like guy is apparently just like his his wife disappears while he's out at dinner with her and no one remembers that she was there and his whole life disappears and he's trying to unspool this mystery and it was kind of a big thing for me because it was like a lot of it was shot in the portland area um so like uh you know merrill hurst college appeared in the in the show i think while my mom was still going to merrill hurst college and uh so yeah it was it was a weird series it was never really very good that i can remember but i still liked it because it was also kind of weird and you know, it was doing the conspiracy thing in a different way than like X Files was, while still seeming to be sort of like inspired by the same general, you know, feeling. I'm looking at a TV guide ad for it, and it's <laughs> claiming to be a thriller in the tradition of the Fugitive. Kind, kind, kind of like like the Fugitive. If instead of the one armed man, it was a vast government experience, you know, conspiracy, and also maybe aliens, you know, I. Uh, I, I don't remember the show. I'm not Man, sure. You can I saw basically how it, sum up just about every like '90s uh, suspense like TV show with maybe aliens, <laughs> maybe aliens. Uh, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I guess, is what we're talking about. I want to I want to paint a scene here. Uh, I, I was telling you uh, that this is a, a film. It's been an unusually long time between when I watched it when we were recording, which in this case means like a week. Several you know, it's been years. Like, yeah, it's been like eight days since I watched this. Because, you know, I rented Texas Chainsaw and My Bloody Valentine like the weekend uh, of the previous episode. Um, 
and we watched My Bloody Valentine because at the time that I rented it, you and I hadn't like totally, totally settled on which way we were going there. And then we right. made the announcement like you know later that day. So I had both of them. And then I was like, well, if I don't watch this now, then I'm just going to have to rent it again. Uh, so I sat down and watched it. I'm just going to spend the rest of this podcast fucking with you, telling okay. you that like the thing you remember is actually from My Bloody Valentine. That, 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 that should be good. That should be good. I think, uh, I think we'll both enjoy that a lot. Uh, <laughs> Herschel Gordon Lewis, by the way. The guy I was thinking of was Herschel Gordon Lewis. Ah, see, and I don't even know the name. Apparently, uh, well, apparently, it's a big blind spot for me. I, I, but I got a lot of blind spots. I, I, I talk a good game by talking about the entire I know left about, eye. But uh, if if it starts with someone else asking questions, uh, then uh, then I don't know because uh, I don't know anything. Uh, so yeah, so so I watched this like a, a a week and a little bit of change ago, and I've got my notes and and I remember it and I, I remember liking it, and so I think it'll be fine. But but not only do I have some distance just in time versus having like watched it last night being spooked a little bit by it still uh my whole headspace in my environment here is like as non-texas chainsaw massacre as possible i've i spent the last several days working on a tactical golf board game so i've got like demo pieces of that arrayed on my desk and i've got a uh a, a donut from voodoo donuts that i don't even know what they call it but it's got uh uh fruity pebbles and captain crunch uh on top of some uh vanilla glaze uh, so like, like just atmospherically, um, I, I could not be less afraid of being murdered by a chainsaw murderer right now. Uh, you know, if, if I tried, uh, so that's where I am. I just want to, you know, Man, now I just really want a donut. Yep. Shit. That's me chewing. Mmm. Ah, uh, fuck you. Yep. Um, you know, actually, I, I literally watched this, like, I, I watched half of it. I mean, I saw it a couple of years ago at a party while very, very drunk. Um, and just literally the only thing I could remember was the scene where um, uh, Bell Bottoms opens her eyes and she's, like, at the dinner table with everybody. I, I'm going to give everybody silly names because I don't remember anybody's name and also because they mentioned everybody's name except Franklin's once. Yeah. So uh, we've got, we've got Bell Bottoms. Shirley MacLaine, Disco Stew, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> and Franklin. All right. And uh, James Franco is the hitchhiker. Yes. Oh, I, I came to the same conclusion, actually. That's, uh, <laughs> I think my exact note was, let's pick up hitchhiker. Oh, look, it's James Franco. Because, um, yeah, the guy really did uh, Edwin Neal, I think, maybe his Edwin name Neal, is. Edwin Neal, yeah. He said uh, Vietnam was an easier experience than filming this movie. <laughs> <laughs> apparently like the shoot for this was horrible yeah just like, because like they had so little money and it, because it was like in the middle of the texas summer and they didn't have a lot of you know like different costumes or anything so gunnar hansen spent like the whole time in the exact same like leather mask and then suit uh for like you know 12 13 hour shoots for weeks at a time yeah they, they said everybody remembered the smell of that shoot uh <laughs> some of the crew got sick from it oh jesus movie making it's yeah. a it's romantic uh noble endeavor is what also is. apparently this is uh something else i read on mdb gunner hansen who played leatherface really didn't get along with the guy who played franklin um paul partain and then uh somebody ended up telling him that paul partain is a method actor and that he never actually you know went out of character when they weren't shooting <laughs> and apparently from that day on uh gunner hansen and paul partain became really good friends <laughs> i don't know how true that is but it's a lovely story 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just going to use that explanation for every bad interaction any of my friends ever have. I'm going to say, oh, no, 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 he's, he's a method friend. He's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's not he does he's not actually uh, sort of you know unempathetic jerk. He's just that's 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 the role he's playing for this lifetime. You know, he's really just trying to stay honest to the character. Uh, so so this movie opens with narration uh, that is no, trying to take doesn't know. oh wait wait, oh, oh, wait text oh, crawl. yes is, is the yeah, text yeah. crawl narrated or was it just it a, is by John John Larroquette yes it's it was fucking paid with a joint. <laughs> <laughs> According to John Larroquette. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it does that. Yeah, so yeah, there's that opening crawl about how, um, you know, uh, just about how the horrible things are going to happen, and this is a true story. Well, yeah, and it refers to Franklin as an invalid, which is a word I have not heard used in yes, a very long time. That, yeah, her invalid brother is, you know, a girl and her invalid brother, or something like that, which is like, wow, but... Uh, yeah, and it's really, really trying to take, like, get you to take the whole thing seriously and strongly implies that it's a true story without ever actually saying so. And, of course, it's totally not a true story. It's, you know, vaguely based partly on some murders by an actual murderer. But uh, other than that, Again. absolutely nothing. Texas is an actual state. In that sense, it's a true story. Uh, chainsaws are a thing that exist. Massacres have occurred. Uh uh, human uh, leather face masks were briefly really popular um, across America. It was like a high school fad. Hmm. So yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's <laughs> stuck that landing. <laughs> yep. Good joke, Jacob. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting how much that that opening crawl like sort of dates the film. It, it, like, like I, I feel like it's the least effective thing about the whole film is the thing that it opens with that's trying to set the tone for the whole thing. Just because, like, and I'm saying that looking at it now, maybe 40 years ago, you know, that was much more effective. Maybe people were less likely to be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a true story, you know, in a, a pre-Fargo era or something. But uh, but now it just, like, it, like the. I got a bad impression of the film, like in that first minute that uh, recovered from, and I understand what they're going for, but yeah, just like it's a, it's a thing that it's a weird game. I mean, it is, but I think the actual opening is so strong that like, I, I was actually about to correct you. I was be like, no, that's not what the movie opens. And I'm like, Oh yeah, there's an opening crawl. And I think what happens after it is just so effective that it just completely blows out of the water. Just any sort of, you know, just like any sort of mood that the, the, you know, or any sort of like, you know, um, unpleasant, like, idea of the movie you get from the way that, from what the uh, opening crawl set, the actual opening is just so fucking uh, spooky and and scary and at the same time kind of funny that yeah. it it's, yeah, so the, the, the actual opening to the movie is, um, you know, it's, it's pitch black and you hear like noises and, and they're just noises. You don't know what they are. There's like, you know, like person struggling there. There's some sort of equipment, there's clanking. And then there's the, the, the flash of a, um, the flash of a, uh, one of those old, uh, flash cameras that had the actual like flash bulb in it and like the big thing. And then you just see really briefly, I think it might, might be just like a hand, like, like clearly like the hand of a corpse yeah. and there's black again for like pretty long periods of time. Um, and again, noises, and then it happens again, and you see a different part of the corpse. And each time, um, the sound design in this movie is amazing. Um, 
each time that like the sound of like the flash bulb is drawn out like slightly longer to the fact that it starts sounding almost like a harmonica like like a harmonica beginning to like a song um and then and then the radio kicks in right is it the radio report yeah yeah news report stuff starts yeah uh, yeah, and it's just like this completely like blase news reporter voice describing like all of these horrible things happening, starting with a bunch of grave uh, robbings, and then you see just like a corpse head, like most of the skin is off, but not all of it. It's not, it's not a skeleton head, and it slowly zooms out, and this and it's an entire corpse, and it's clutching a different corpse's skull, and it's posed in this like really weird jaunty way on top of like a uh, obelisk that's like a gravestone obelisk. Yeah. And, you know, everything is red, you know, there's dust, you know, red because um, it's just like, it's a sunset time, but it's, you know, it's like everything is red and orange and there's dust and, you know, the, the, uh, the zoom out is really slow, which is kind of, you know, for this movie a little odd because after this, all of like (laughs) lens zooms are, you know, I'm pretty sure they broke at least one because somebody's like, "Oh, oh, shit, broke the lens. Um, but yeah, so there's this slow zoom out and, you know, the voice on the radio talking about like horrible thing after horrible thing. Like, you know, there's a grave robbings then there was a collapse in a mine somewhere. Then there was like, you know, a series of suicides and there was yeah, some explosion. Big, big pile of bad news of the world in sort of yeah. Voidio, yeah, radio voiceover. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really great. Cause it, it does like, yeah, the be from the strobes to then the slow pull out. It's, it's, it's a really really deliberate really taking its time way to sort of like set up some until and i do wish that had just been the opening like just ditch the crawl yeah. entirely uh you know just just give john larroquet the joint and, and leave it at that but uh but yeah it is a really it really is an effective uh set of sound and images that like there's very little movement it's just basically a series of static shots uh when you get down to it with you know the strobing and the zoom as the only sort of elements that it have any sort of uh, visual dynamism to them. Uh, dynamism? Dynamism, sure. Um, and yeah, it's great. And it really does sort of set up sort of like that, that, that's how you open a horror movie. That's how you, you know, mm-hmm. unsettle people from the word go. And, uh, and I really liked the use of the radio along with it to be sort of like related and then unrelated, but still setting such a sort of dark shit is bad sort of, tone for thing like almost to the extent like listening to the radio you kind of have to know that most of the things being mentioned probably aren't going to play in i mean there could be a film that did try to play all those things in but but the fact that it's just like gonna go ahead and be unrelentingly bad news anyway just changing the subject is kind of a nice sort of uh, establishing the, yeah. the the fundamental pessimism of the film which is kind of nice and then there's and that the credit and then Oh, well, no, before that, there's the credits. And the credits, it's just like, you know, grindhousey, like, yellow text over... I'm pretty sure it's just like, it's, uh, like, astronomical footage of, uh, of the sun, right? And it's just like, all the colors are knocked out except red and black. And it's just the sun, and, you know, you see, like, the coronal ejections and stuff. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Like, I, I, I couldn't... I, I don't think it was anything else. It's, yeah, definitely, it's not, definitely like, solar clear. flares. Uh, and, and the earlier stuff could have easily been, yeah... Mm-hmm. A closer shot of of uh, that hot old sun stuff twitching around. Yeah, and there's like this really like dissonant like grinding. Like it's, I mean, it's barely music. It's uh, yeah, it's very industrial. The soundtrack yeah. on this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the you sound know what design it is me good of the, too. But you know, the just, opening credits reminded me of a lot the um, the music in Hannibal. 
Ah, see, I gotta watch Hannibal sometime. I gotta. I, well, I the really, season premiere was Friday. Well, that's, that's that doesn't do me any good. I gotta watch the series premiere still, and you know the rest. It's of on. That a, do you, wait, do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Is it on that? Yeah. Fucking. They, a. they just it just went on. Oh, yeah, you right. Totally I know that. what we're doing tonight. Uh, yeah, no, me, yeah, me, me and, uh, me and my wife have been actually really sort of interested in the idea, but uh, it wasn't on Netflix and uh, apparently it's on Amazon prime now. Awesome. Uh, let's talk some more about the show. I haven't seen. No. Um, yeah, no, the soundtrack, I really like the soundtrack. It's great. It's, mm-hmm. it's very industrial. I don't remember if, I mean, I think there were a couple songs at points that maybe they were diegetic. Uh, but overall, I, I, I feel like I don't remember a whole lot of like music in a, you know, traditionally musical sense in this film. I just remember unsettling noise, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great way to go for, uh, you know, I don't remember there being film. any music music in it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not swearing that there wasn't like, there might've been something oh. on the radio or something at some point. Uh, but, uh, I don't remember it. I'm just, uh, I just, right. I just don't want to make a liar of myself and say, Hey, there was no music. There was no music. I, I am going right to say there was no music it. in this. And if somebody proves that there was music in this, they're lying anyway. <laughs> yep. They went back and they changed the movie out of spite. Um, <laughs> it's really poor use of your time machine, sir or ma'am. I want to talk uh, about... We, we, we get... Uh, time machine abuses. Franklin. Uh, yes, I want to talk about time machine abuses. Uh, a wheelchair bro is what I had him written down mm-hmm. uh, originally <laughs> before I figured out that his name was Franklin. Uh, they, they, so, so we've got these kids in this van. And they're they're driving along. They're driving to because the news about the desecrations. Apparently, they're driving to the cemetery to check on dead family to see if they were desecrated. And then they're going to go yeah, to the Franklin old Franklin and uh, Bellbottom's mom. Uh, yeah, granddaddy. Uh, yeah. So they they go by, but but this is why they're on a road trip in the first place. And apparently, the only reason they're on this road trip. Uh, and and they're in the van and they stop at some point because uh, Franklin needs to take a piss, I guess. So they, they, they set up some things, open up the side door of the van, put down a couple wooden ramps, drive him down the ramps and, and leave him by the side of the roads with a coffee can so he can take a piss. Uh, and then a truck drives by, you know, big, big, big old truck hauling stuff in a, a trailer or whatever. And... Mm-hmm. and 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 I don't understand what exactly happens here because Franklin goes flying down yeah. the hill now. Now maybe this thing brought a rush of air with it, but it wouldn't be that strong. It wouldn't shove a wheelchair. It wouldn't knock people over. Maybe it blasted his horn, and maybe someone would jump. But if you're sitting in the wheelchair, you're probably not going to literally uh, jump. What with the the it, legs, it and all. definitely like sprayed some stuff at Justin Timberlake, but. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure why Franklin went tumbling down. Yeah, I feel like that's a scene that must have made sense on paper, or at least not as clearly not made sense on paper. But it's like it's a it's an odd like what the fuck just happened uh, little thing in there in the opening of the film. Yeah, I think it was just you know just the the, the continuance of like horrible things happening. I guess it's just it, 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 it struck me as a little bit odd. Like it was it was weird not knowing why it happened and also having the film not seem to care why it happened is the thing. Like it wasn't even like they right. didn't talk about it. There was it seemed like it was they, they just needed to maybe they were just trying to emphasize the relative, you know, fragility of, of Franklin's state as yeah. the guy in the wheelchair. And so we gotta have some reason to emphasize this, but it's it seemed a little you know, bit could- odd to me. Um, considering uh, how many like characters in this movie either were or were implied to be mentally disabled, do you think Franklin was being set up as, as being like mentally disabled? Because like the way that they set it up, you know, he they they refer to him as like you know her invalid brother, which you think would mean something 
it, I mean, maybe it meant something different back then. I think that was just 40 years ago. You could just straight up say, yeah. oh, yeah, no, he, he, he's got a, you know, yeah. his legs are not good. He's an invalid. Yeah. And that was like, uh, that was all you were getting at. I don't think they were trying to yeah. set him up. I think they were just trying to set him up as being somewhat isolated as yeah. the one guy who was stuck in a wheelchair yeah. while everybody else was, right. you know, running around and being sort of the yeah, odd I mean, when he resentful. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, he's got, he's, he's really like, you know, pissed off and, and, and gruff and, you know, like, you know, it's like, give me that can but without actually saying anything. So he's also completely silent during the beginning. And, you know, until he just like starts talking, it's like, oh, he's just like a regular guy, but he's in a wheelchair. But he's, he's not a terribly regular guy. He's a fucking weird guy, but he's not like, there's nothing specifically wrong with him mentally. But like before he actually talks, you know, just like all of his body language and all of his motions, like I, I, I feel like he was being set up as just like, you know, something's up with this guy. Um, but then it turns out, you know, he, he was just pissed off because, you know, he's got to pee in a can and somebody has to help him. And yeah. that's perfectly valid reasons to be pissed off. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so Franklin takes that tumble and then they, and you know, they actually, um, he's got the, uh, he's got those, uh, he's, he's got the scars from that. You think the, those look kind of real. You think they actually threw him off the thing? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean he method- was, uh. Yeah, he, he, I think he was a Marine. He's some sort of vet, so I wouldn't be surprised that, like, if his method acting goes to the extent of actually throwing himself down that damn thing. He, he actually uh, insisted uh, on being killed with a chainsaw during the scene where he's killed with a chainsaw, um, which was a very difficult shoot because, you know, they had to uh, then immediately perform surgery to save his life. Um, but great scene. Really got the scene, so... <laughs> And uh, so from then on, they go right to the uh, to the cemetery, right? Yep. Well, a little, little, little bit of uh, random astrology foreshadowing and use oh, that you know what phrases I need like to, your old lady and so on. I need to go. Um, I need to get a screenshot of that because uh, Shirley MacLaine had that like encyclopedia thick astrology book, and I want a copy of that. That was like, <laughs> I mean. I, I can't. I can't imagine that there was something to fill up that entire thing, but there must have been. And 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 that book just looks like something I really want to own, like the giant seventies tome on astro- on astrology. Well, maybe maybe it was a maybe it was a ten year horoscope, like you know every every sign every day for a decade. Uh, and then uh, for the you know it's really decade, weird. They you know, just reset the order of the chapters and and change the dates and publish it again. <laughs> Do you think the movie that this universe takes place in astrology works? I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it because I, I was just like, uh, really, we're doing this sort of let's use astrology to establish that uh, things are going to be bad even while discounting astrology. But yeah, but what, what if what if this but is? But does actually, it ever uh, actually discount astrology? I mean, like Disco Stew is sort of like, oh, that's bullshit. But yeah, I mean, he's clearly dismissive know, of it. But maybe he's yeah. maybe he's the heretic. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe even his attempt to dismiss it by saying, "Hey, you really believe this stuff, your old lady?" It was him trying to mm-hmm. give his you know buddy an opportunity to back him up in his heresy. But the guy totally doesn't be like, "Oh no, no, no! Astrology is bad, and wrong." You know, so yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'm wondering how good. we're supposed to take how we're supposed to take him being dismissive better. Are we supposed to be ag- agree and be like, "Yeah, it's some sort of bullshit," or it's like, "Oh man, no, you can't, you can't like." You can't say that, and then bad things are going to happen to you, and they do. So, because I, I mean, they 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 took astrology kind of really seriously in the seventies, right? I, I I think it was at least getting more credit than it uh, does currently. I don't know how seriously it was taken exactly. Uh, if you're an astrologist from the seventies, 
please, you know, leave us a comment <laughs> on the Facebook page. Also, uh, we're not sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they head they head to the. They, they they head to the cemetery, which apparently uh, text edit has autocorrected as secretary in my notes. So that uh, creepy old country folk hanging out at the secretary, uh, and it, it's it's a nice sort of unsettling scene, you know, with them sort of having this interaction with apparently some drunk and some just sort of slightly gross sleazy handy. Do they do they have actually an interaction with a drunk? Because he's just sort of rolling he's around, rolling around and beer up himself to, yeah. and rambling. He he may be basically just talking to the camera, but that that's that's definitely cut into. That's the not an actor. That's scene. just some guy that was there. <laughs> that, 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 the shot of him is really good, though. Where they 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 have him like on his back, like with his face like fully up in the camera, to the fact that it's sort of um, fish eyeing a bit because he's so close to the camera. Yeah, and the camera's basically sitting on the ground, like right down there. Yeah, and it's you know, and he's just sort of rambling himself, and I think he even looks at the camera, which is you know not not a regular thing, and I, I yeah. think that was really cool, even though I cannot figure out what it what it means for the rest of the movie. That was um, that was actually that was, that was Bill Hooper, that's Toby's brother, just showed up on set and wouldn't leave until they let him <laughs> quote be in the movie, and then the editor didn't realize that uh, they weren't supposed to actually use the shot. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, the whole the whole interaction at the cemetery, the whole sort of like you know, old guy, well not old guy, but older guy showing her the grave, but being sort of like the hey, you know, let me borrow your girlfriend here, let it, and you know, it's it's got that weird sort of edginess. Uh, and then there's the the slaughterhouse, you know, they're driving by, and this actually does come up in the film very much, obviously. But uh, Franklin's talking about the old slaughterhouse and having to whack the cows more than once in the head because you wouldn't always give them the first time. And they'd be seizing up. Uh, well, but that's, and that's and and the whole vibe through this, like 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 to this point in this film, you know, I, mm-hmm. I made a note at that point. It's like really the vibe I was getting uh, was deliverance. Um. Yeah, and sort of yeah. like the slow burn, like like nothing uh, other than the, the the creepy opening shots of corpse stuff, which obviously is a a, a a horror image. Other than that, nothing, you know, horror has really happened so far in the film. It's just this weird, unsettling uh, sense of badness approaching, you know, and 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 the interaction at the cemetery with the kids who are sort of hippie kids, and then uh, and then the you know, sort of cowboy rancher dudes at the cemetery. Uh, so here's the thing. Are what, this is from 1974, right? Yeah. 1974, 1978. So 1974, 60s are gone by pretty well, but disco isn't like totally here yet. So, you know, they're sort of, they're, I'm just wondering, are they supposed to be hippie kids or are they supposed to be like the equivalent of like, you know, cool kids or like hipsters or something where, like by that time, that sort of fashion is just straight up fashion. It's it's yeah. it's the thing that's in. It's not like yeah 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 fashion. yeah. True. I didn't get the impression so, they were supposed to be like necessarily like actual like capital H hippies. More like yeah, a little bit <laughs> of that hippieish vibe. A little bit. They they were definitely young. They were definitely the kids. They were definitely you know more of the time rather than of a conservative. Uh, yeah, I think they were time. just like kids these days. Kids. Yeah. But anyway, the, 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 <laughs> there was definitely a sense of like generational mismatch there yeah, between them yeah, and the guys absolutely. at the cemetery who were more. Uh, conservative uh, cowpoke sort of vibe coming off them. And that, that, you know, that, that sort of like reminded me like Ned Beatty's city slicker in particular in deliverance, but in general, like the whole, like 
this group of guys coming up into Appalachia and they're going to go the rafting and, and the weird sort of mismatch between them and the, the, the local, uh, rural folk. Yeah, I don't know if it goes that far, though, because, I mean, they've still all got pretty, you know, pretty apparent Texas accents. Yeah, Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, Bellbottoms and Franklin were, um, you know, they said that they spent time at that creepy-ass house that they go to. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, so I I think it's sort of like, it's it's, uh, sort of like a middle ground between, like, the yuppies and deliverance, you know, going out into the country and, like, these kids that are, you know, this isn't, like, their... This is sort of like this is their own past. It's not like the past of their like forefathers, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's not um, it's, it's but, not as stark, certainly, but, but right. still that that dynamic. I was kind of getting that feeling from it, the little bit of mismatch and, and a yeah. skosh of uh, like gawking and potential advantage taking with the cemetery yeah. interaction, and whatnot. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if that old guy was fucking with them or not. Where he's just like, yeah, you see that heavy set guy? Come up to him, tell him your granddaddy's buried here, and he'll take you to him. And I couldn't figure out if that guy was being friendly and folksy, or if he was like setting her up for some sort of stupid prank. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure either. And I think I think that kind of worked okay. The film never really clarified it; just set up that sense that this is a uneasy yeah. interaction, and we never come back to these guys. You know, nothing ever like there's no return to the cemetery thing. It's just this one-off odd interaction, uh, which I think works well enough because it's it, it just keeps you a little bit uh, off off center watching the film. And you know, this, this is, I, I want to say last, last time when we were talking about my bloody Valentine, uh, and I was sort of talking about 80 slashers being goofy, uh, versus mm-hmm. like the slow burn aesthetic of a lot of horror today. This is, this is, this is a really good reminder that obviously it's more like 80 slashers are goofy versus other periods of horror. Cause this is, you know, a, a proto slasher film in many senses. I mean, this was getting out ahead of what became sort of canonized as the, yeah, this, this set up formula. a lot of the themes. Um, and this is like, this, this movie is so serious face horror the whole time. You know, it, it's, this is more Rosemary's baby than it is Friday the 13th in terms of, uh, it's tonal attitude, you know? So, so I, I guess I just, I, I want to, I want to, Get on yeah, the record. Friday the Thirteenth was eighty. What year was Halloween? Because uh, I think this predates all of like what we consider like you know the the, the, the slasher canon basically. Yeah, I want to say Halloween was like late seventies, like seventy eight maybe. Seventy eight. Yeah. So this this predates a lot of them. Yeah, and it and it doesn't really follow the formula, which kind of makes sense because the formula mm-hmm. wasn't there to be followed yet. Uh, and yet there's a bunch of pieces like, like you could recut this film or reshoot this film, maybe in 3d, uh, much more to formula and still have it recognizably be the yeah. same film. It, I don't think it'd be necessarily as interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, it, yeah. would, it would work as a straight up slasher yeah. film. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, you, you've got the, you've got the remote location, you've got the group of, uh, teenagers who aren't like, you know, they're, they're not doing drugs and not particularly sexually active in this, but you know, there's a lot implied. Um, and you've got like the, 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 the main, like big, like villain who, who we only see briefly and quickly. Um, and who's got like a trademark weapon. Uh, cause yeah, I mean the, the Jason, you know, Jason's got his uh, machete. Freddie's got the claw. Michael Myers has the, uh, like that giant ass knife thing, but it is it like a kitchen knife. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a butcher knife. It's a yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's got a lot of those. Um, it's got a lot of the elements, even though the way that they're configured isn't necessarily like the traditional slasher uh, configuration. Yeah, just because I mean, you know, some, somebody's got to come first, basically. It's it's a cubist slasher. 
is what it is, yes. I was actually going to say that so much of the acting in this movie is just so expressionist that it's, you know, there's, I, I think if they had gone for just regular acting, like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's a movie, just act, um, it would have it would have turned out a lot worse. But, like, you know, the just the, the, every time somebody screams, it's just so weird. Like, um, you know, every, every time Franklin gets hurt, like, he starts, like, weeping. Um, and then just like all of the, you know, all the way towards the end of the movie where, uh, you know, I, mean, I can't want to call, stop calling her bell bottoms, <laughs> Sally, where Sally, um, you know, is abducted and, you know, you get all of these like crazy ass angles of her yelling and then you get, you know, like the, 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 her eyeball, like yeah. not even the, the, the sclera, is it the sclera, the white, the white part of uh, the eye? I don't remember. Yeah, well, the white part of the eye blown up to like the full screen, which you know on a big TV is something, but I can even only imagine him how that looked on like an actual yeah. movie theater yeah, thing. It, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's that's a really interesting sequence in there, how they just sort of go gonzo. And I don't know, I don't know if it was like a hundred percent effective in terms of me not giggling at what was supposed to be serious at times, because like I, I think at some point I just started typing sarcastically in all caps in my notes. Yes, let's see if we can get any closer to this eyeball. Uh, but still, it was it, it, it was a neat sequence, and yeah, I mean, as a way to try to convey her just really losing her fucking mind at this yep. insane situation she's in. You know, I, I, I get what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get the feel like you know, in some other horror movies, you get the feel that like you know, the last girl she gets fucked up, but she just like sort of perseveres through it, and you know, she's never going to be the same, and she's never going to be okay. But you know, you think she'll she'll get her shit together. At the end of this movie, you do not get that feeling. You get the feeling that like, if there's going to be a direct sequel to this, Sally's going to be like in an asylum for like the rest of her life, basically. Yeah, yeah she is. Like she, she is. She is not coming out the yeah. arc of the gritty survivor in a terrifying situation. She's just like. Get the fuck out of here, drive while just like she doesn't even say it. She just sort of jumps in, as far as I recall. You know, it's more like the guy obviously knows he should get the fuck out of there more than her being like, You have to listen to me. We need to leave right now. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, so get in the chopper. (laughs) Um, yeah, so things, things. Oh gosh, Uh, I, I feel like. I, I'm lost in my notes is the problem. They they pick up the hitchhiker. It's James Franco. Uh, it, I mean, it really is, is James weird. Franco. I really, I, I just, if anybody here is listening to this knows James Franco and, you know, possibly I might be the closest one because I think we went to, I think he went to grad school where I did my undergrad at the same time because I, I dropped out of college for a while and then I went back and there was rumors that he was going there for grad school. You should drop him a line um, then. And, uh, yeah, like, dear James it's like Franco. somebody needs to show this to him and be like, you need to just like get like some of your movie maker friends and just make like a cover of this scene and put it on YouTube. Yeah, seriously, that's, yeah, put it on for I mean, die. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, everything about that scene is just so so uh, so ominous and fucking weird, and it's just only added to the fact that it's just it's so performative because. I mean, the way it, it's shot in, like, in, in their, you know, like, uh, in their truck, which, I mean, it's, it's not, it's a van. It's, a, it's like a 70s, like, mystery machine van. I mean, they're yes, basically this, the scooby This is the weirdest episode of Scooby-Doo ever filmed. <laughs> it's the episode where they all die and only Daphne makes it out alive. Yeah. Um, well, it's because they forget to tear off the mask. That's yeah. classic violation of Scooby-Doo protocol. <laughs> Oh no! It turns out Leatherface is oh just some psychotic killer, huh? 
Whoops. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, he's sitting with his back to the back of the van, and they're all sitting at the front of the van, and they're all looking at him like an audience, basically. And he's just doing weird-ass shit. And again, like, it, it, they sort of use that same angle that they use for the drunk, where, I mean, I think it's, it might be even be like a very, very mildly fish-eyed lens, just because it, it looks distorted. And he's just doing weird shit. And he looks weird. He's got... Um, He's got like a uh, like a like a birthmark going down like half of his face, like um, it's just like a discoloration, like that that red like birthmark color, like Gorbachev's head. Um, and I think that's makeup because I looked at the actor, and either he had surgery to get it removed, or or, or that yeah, was makeup. I wasn't totally clear if that was supposed to be a birthmark or blood at first. I, it looked like a birthmark to me, but I mean, it, maybe it wasn't because maybe he was just coming back from work at the slaughterhouse. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that might have been the implication. Mm-hmm. And Franklin's reaction was was hilarious. It's just like, oh, it looks like we picked up Dracula, and it's like, yeah, my family's been in meat for years. Whole family, whole family of Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, I, I just immediately like flashed in the idea of like an actual family of like Draculas, like all dressed like Bella Lugosi, you know, sitting at a breakfast table having cereal with blood in it. Um, and I want to see that movie. Well, I think that might have been a recurring joke in uh, Jeff Rowland's comic uh, Overcompensating, where his character, who is him in the comic, uh, refers generically to vampires as Draculas, uh, which for some reason I find super charming, just like. The idea that like mistaking, you know, the, the generic class of monster for that one specific monster, or or, or vice versa. But uh. you know what I always found if you ever if you ever if there's any sort of like joke you're trying to make that it that involves vampires, just replace the word vampires with Frankenstein's, and it becomes like ten times. Four. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, he does all sorts of weird shit. He's got like that that um, he's got like this little pouch thing with that again i think these things were popular in the 70s a lot it, it's like um i i don't know what they did with it outside of keep drugs in there because that's the only thing i've ever seen anybody use it for um it, it's just like that pouch that you hang off your neck that like cowboys used to keep their tobacco in but his is made out of fur um and he's got uh, what does he have in there gunpowder he's just got loose yeah, gunpowder in, gun in there <laughs> Um, this whole yeah, sequence so, is weird. Like, yeah, he, he like he takes some pictures, and they were sort of talking about photos, and he was showing some photos. Well, first he cuts his hand open. Yeah, like Frank, because Franklin is you know cleaning his nails with a knife in a you know a van with no shocks on it because that's a, <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the first time I saw this movie and I was drunk, I was just expecting like the van to hit something and him to like you know plunge the knife through his hand, and that's how they begin. That that's why everything starts because they need to find help, but that never happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, James Franco just like snatches the knife away from him, and then he just like starts lovingly stroking it, and then he just cuts into his palm, um, and then he just keeps laughing and just hands the knife back, uh, which was really fucking weird. And then. Um, and then he, you know, like takes a picture of them, and then he demands money for it, which was one of like the, honestly the most realistic things in this movie of just like a crazy person doing something weird and then demanding you pay them for yeah. it. Well, and you know, is definitely something I've run into. Polaroid film ain't free either, man. You know, you know, give the son of a bitch is two dollars. I realize it's nineteen seventy three dollars, so that's 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 more than two dollars. But uh, I mean, this guy's obviously super fucking weird. I think at that point you you say, you know what? This is worth two dollars. It's worth two dollars to just maintain this situation. 
so that he doesn't say set the picture on fire and then pull out a straight razor and cut somebody with it. But uh, but that's just me. I probably wouldn't have picked him up in the first place. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, is that? I think that's also like a seventies uh, like sign of the times thing. The fact that they actually pick up a hitchhiker. Yeah. Because I can't imagine these days like anybody hitchhiking or picking up a hitchhiker unless it's John Waters. <laughs> you saw that, right? No. The, the, oh, a bunch of this band was just like you know driving down the road, um, and they picked up John Waters who was hitchhiking. <laughs> Oh, John. And it was actually John Waters. Um, he is the living yeah. end. Um, yep. So he, um, yeah, so he sets his hand on fire. Oh, not, not his no, hand he, on he sets fire. The photo he cuts on his fire. hand open. He sets the photo on fire. And it's really weird just because you see him, like, you see him get the foil. You see him get a bunch of foil out of his, like, little purse thing. He splays it out on something in the, in, in the truck. He puts the photo down. He opens up another little foil ball, puts something that's clearly fucking gunpowder on it. I mean, this is like, you know, the, the, this is a bunch of teens raised in fucking Texas. I'm from Brooklyn. I, I know what gunpowder looks like. He sprinkles it on there. He lights a match. He puts it on there. The thing bursts into flames, and then they freak out. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's like, hey, maybe you should have stopped him around the time he was getting the gunpowder. Well, and that's, the, the, I mean, the, as much as the whole interaction with this weird guy is is kind of a mm-hmm. great scene, uh, it's also like all the all the pieces feel weird. All the pieces like. If, if this was a machine, it would not function, you know, is how odd, like, the, the, the little pieces are in the pacing and everybody's reactions. Like, it really feels like a fugue state recollection of something. Because uh, even then, finally, at that point, they, like, kick him out of the van. Uh, mm-hmm. But then they accelerate away incredibly slowly. Like... Was, was that on purpose? I thought that was just the van. I, I, I'm willing to believe the van has lousy acceleration. Like, no question there. Sure, I'm sure this thing, you know, accelerates like a dog, but it doesn't accelerate that slow, or it would never get moving in the first place. They yeah. just, I feel like they needed the scene to last longer than it would have if they actually just realistically tried to drive away with the crappy acceleration. And so we get this weird protracted thing where James Franco standing outside, like rubbing blood apparently on the side of the van and kicking it while they just like go one mile an hour for like 10 seconds. And then finally they decide to actually just no time for him to mark the van with blood. Yeah. Which also never comes back around weirdly enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's no payoff on that. It seems like it's like some Blair witch shit with like bloody symbol on the side and, and the bunch of discussion. Franklin's worried that maybe like mentions like 10 times you think maybe they followed us. And then it turns out they didn't at all. And it's a weird sort of opposite. They in fact busted into their house repeatedly and that's why they died. And that's okay. So we sort of talked about the, the weird pacing of this versus a conventional slasher. And it's really interesting how this film, uh, it doesn't, it, 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 it's not completely zero to 60 on the horror. Cause like this whole interaction with, with James Franco is weird. One thing, um, two dollars in nineteen seventy four is about ten dollars today. So that's yeah. actually quite a bit of money to ask. The guy has cut his hand open, and is clearly insane, and has a straight razor. It's yeah, but none of that. The ten dollars doesn't stop any of that. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I I think to a certain extent, someone's behaving erratically. You know, run with it a little bit. I'm not I'm not saying you know a hundred dollars, but it's, uh, ten bucks is. Uh, you made the decision to put this weird person inside your vehicle in the first place. It costing you $10 to get rid of them. I, 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 
I, I still think that's yeah, a good bargain. You give every it's... crazy person who wants money $10. Suddenly you're out of $10. Well, yeah, but you stop lot. putting yourself in that position. Wait. You, maybe, you maybe look a little bit harder and then just speed back up instead of actually stopping uh, for the hitchhiker, you know, in the future. Is what just hit do. him. Hit him with the car. Ah, there we go. Uh, we solved everything. And then, and, then, and then he'll know what you did last summer. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> this could have been a completely different horror movie. <laughs> They should just re-release a version of this that's the exact same film, except for they also cut in occasionally Jennifer Love Hewitt screaming, what do you want from us? Just, you know, I think it would, uh, yeah. Uh, was that Jennifer Love Hewitt? <laughs> yeah, that was Jennifer Love yeah, Hewitt in that. that. It wasn't Scream. Not, not Scream, no. No, who was in Scream? Oh, uh, uh, who was the brunette in Scream? Uh, Nev Campbell. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I get the two of yeah. them confused. It's possible Jennifer Love Hewitt was also in Scream. That one was a little bit no, ensemble, no. but I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think was Sarah Michelle Gellar also in? I yeah, mm-hmm. she okay. was in. I know what you did. Right, there we yep. go. All right, she was the beauty queen. Yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, they get rid of him. Uh, you you had mentioned when we were watching something. Maybe it was just Cabin in the Woods, or maybe it just came up some other time. But the the gas station in Cabin in the Woods with a creepy old guy who's the harbinger. Yeah, the harbinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the gas station in, in this movie, because that's the next thing they do is they end up at a gas station wanting to get some gas, and the guy's like, oh, we ain't got no gas. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think the, the Cabin in the Woods scene is like a direct homage to this. It scene. seems like it is, but at the same time, like this does not... It, it's, not a, it's not really exactly shot for shot or tonal right there. Like, no, like, no, like the first time they come to this, this, this gas station is actually played mm-hmm. straight uh, in this opening not totally straight because there's that weird guy who's staring at the sun well, okay. and like yeah. like th- I think that was like that was a bit of physical humor in this like a, a very like old school kind of physical humor too because we when you when you get the uh, you, you've got like the guy who's staring at the sun with like the large forehead and he's got like the the, the bucket with the uh, the water in it to wash the car yeah it's Louis C.K. So, you know, Louis C.K.'s washing yeah, the windshield and yep. uh so yeah, he comes up, he starts washing it. The, the, the guy who runs the gas station is like, oh, we ain't got no gas. And then, you know, he sort of taps that guy on the side who like, you know, and the, the bucket's on this like little dolly. So he moves the bucket away, sits back down. Then they have like another question. The guy comes up and the guy with the bucket comes up again, starts wiping it. And this happens like three or four <laughs> times. And it's hilarious. Um, and it was definitely supposed to be as well. Um, and then uh, there was one really weird thing about about that scene. Um, there's this series of shots where um, you know Disco Stew and uh, Disco Stew and um, what's his name, Frozen. Justin Timberlake Justin are in the car <laughs> discussing <laughs> something about going in there, and like the girls are getting themselves cokes, and it cuts between. It's like a series of like very ominous cuts that don't go anywhere because it keeps cutting between like this, um, basically an ass shot of Shirley MacLaine. Um, where the camera is like literally, I'm going to say like a foot from her ass, like pointing upward. And it cuts between that and the guys, that and the guys, that and the guys. And then, you know, Disco Stu get, finally gets out of the car, comes up to me and it's like, hey, you guys think this place has room service? Walk, walks in, walks out with barbecue food, and that's it. Yep. Nothing comes of it. And I have no idea what was happening there. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I feel like, see, I, I guess that's the thing. In the sense, I, I both agree that the Cabin in the Woods scene with a creepy gas station and, and the Harbinger was an homage to basically this situation and also feel like it was a lot more coherent even as a satire of horror than this in particular was. And there's probably, I I imagine there's other films that also have done this same sort of creepy gas station thing and may have been like closer to what Cabin in the Woods was formally doing in the structure of that scene. 
but yeah, this whole thing is weird because, like, like I mean, in a sense, it, it does an effective job of establishing the. The, the the gas station is a memorable area that then when we come back to we're like oh yeah this whole thing but yeah right. it, it does feel like it's really weird about how it does it like it's it's trying to set up a scene that never actually happens it's trying to you know accomplish some specific narrative task that no one knew what the task was it's like a Saturday Night Live skit that they couldn't figure out how to end except for without the part where it's humor like it's just it's like uh, so uh, it's like a Saturday Night Live sketch <laughs> oh <laughs> Uh, you know, I've actually been watching a lot of Saturday, like like recent stuff on Netflix, the mm-hmm. the last few seasons worth, and uh, I haven't really watched Saturday Night Live in years because I got tired of staying up for it, uh, and I'm enjoying it. You know, mm-hmm. it's still it's still very you know uneven, but I think to some extent, just listening to a lot of podcasts <laughs> with comedy folks, I've gotten a lot more into like this is a kind of craft, and they are working under significant constraints and trying to accomplish this every week. And in that light, I can sort of look at the stuff and say, oh, okay, well, even if this skit didn't really work, I kind of get where they're going for it. I, I, you know, I can sort of appreciate uh, the work being done. So it's kind of like, I, I guess I'm, I'm in a place with Saturday Night Live now that's kind of where we are with horror movies, where it's like, you know, the craft of it is interesting to me, even when the result is, you know, objectively not, uh, not superb. Yeah, um, I mean, th- there's a period of SNL that I consider, like, the period that I am, like, very familiar with and, like, that I find really funny. And anything outside of it, I'm basically like, uh, I, I, it's, it's just sort of weird because I don't recognize any of the actors. And it's been a long time since I've been able to, like, actually catch a lot of topical humor. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my ability to appreciate SNL, like, a lot of SNL just sort of degrades but then at the same time it's always just sort of like it's it's always snl like if you turn on tv and you're not entirely sure what's on and you see snl you after about two minutes you know exactly what it is um so yeah i mean basically like that period from between basically from when kevin nealon takes over weekend update to when colin quinn stops doing weekend update is like the period i'm comfortable with which i think is just Basically, Phil Hartman's tenure on the show. Yeah. That and uh, mainly because I never actually watched it as it first run. I always watched it in reruns on Comedy Central. Um, so yeah. And 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 that's why Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a good movie. Exactly. That, that's our show. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the gas, uh, so yeah, the gas station scene. It's weird. I, I'd be curious to yep. you know know more about how that ended up being, how that worked out, but. Uh, but in any case, they uh, uh, they, they they get, they get to the some, house. They, they get some weird barbecue too. What, 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 um, Franklin's like he's he's got a like a Do baby ever, pig's foot in his mouth yeah, the I'll, way that somebody else would have a cigar. Was that? Was I thought that it was just a sausage. Foot? I thought it was just a sausage, but I, uh. I could be wrong. Um, do we ever see anybody other than Franklin eating any of it? Nope. Okay, because I didn't. I didn't think so. And, and and the big implication later on is, of course, they're it's, this is all cannibal food, so they're eating somebody. But uh, but the film doesn't really dwell on that. It just sort of like leaves it implied uh, without ever having somebody doing like the oh my god, oh my god, I just ate a person, ah, freak out sort of thing. You know, that's how the, yeah, the act that, was, that was, was very yeah, good I, acting I, on my part right there. That's how you do that. Towards the end, when um, you know, when she uh, when 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 she escapes from the house and like ends up at the gas station before she realizes what's going on, and she's staring at the barbecue. Like, is that is there supposed to be 
person in there? Like, because one of the things in there looked a lot like a human torso, but I mean, I'm not really sure what pig I, looks I, like. I so. think the implication is that it was, but I, yeah, I, I didn't feel like the film was actually pointedly showing something that was unquestionably dead human. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm not a big barbecue technician, so I, you know, I, I don't know all my cuts of meats, so I don't know what would have jumped out to a pro as clearly not cut from a, you know, human versus a pig or whatever. But, uh, so, 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 okay. So they, they end up at the old home place and, and there's an interesting little bit of sound design here. That's nice where the, you've got the, the guys and like, like, like everybody, but Franklin goes in and they like literally leave Franklin out there, which is a total dick move, uh, and yep. underscoring the whole Franklin, not, you know, being wanted necessarily while these guys go on their, their double date. Uh, but it's great because they've got the, the the girls are like shrieking and laughter about stuff, and then Franklin's at a distance in the house, and you you've got this great sound of you know sort of almost apparent distress, even though it's clearly you know, yeah. not. Which I thought was a really nice little bit of a uh, decision making there to just get some creepiness out of uh, out of that uh, incidental bit of action. Uh, but Franklin also has this whole resentful raspberry thing down. Like he, he, Which was weird because that's exactly what um, James Franco was doing when they kicked him out of the car. Well, yeah, and, Did you and, notice that? And I'm and I'm thinking like it didn't occur to me until later that maybe that's why it happened. Like there's there's basically two explanations here. Number one is that both James Franco and Franklin uh, felt that that was the best possible naturalistic way to convey frustration or being you know flapped by something. Uh, or, or maybe this is specifically direct. Maybe that's Toby Hooper's vision of someone being dismissive slash upset about something. Uh, or it's intended to be something where it's a weird thing James Franco does. Franklin's way of being is to sort of pick up and, and play with and mock things he observes. And so then he's doing it. Because later in the film, James Franco does it again. Like he's when, his, when the cook, when the dad is sort of chasing him around and yelling and hitting yeah. him. Uh, he he totally has a period where he starts making those raspberries again. He's just, and it's like so yeah. I kind of wonder. Uh, I I choose to believe that Franklin picked it up from that guy as a weird thing to do, and then he was doing like in the Big Lebowski the when where uh, dude is always repeating things that people say to him. Exactly, exactly. So it's a it's a it's a less less a. Uh, uh, less lexically rich variation of the same mimicry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's still weird, regardless of where it came from. It's like Franklin really is just like <laughs> seeming like an obnoxious, unlikable person, even if I totally appreciate where his resentment is coming from in that scene where he's wheeling around the the main floor of the house on his own. Uh, yeah, I just, I just thought it was an odd thing. Also, there's a the weird bone totems in the in, in yeah the house. yeah so clearly I, I guess clearly at that point it's established that that house has been at least accessed by the 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 creepy family yeah i mean do you, do you think they were going to that house to stay in because you, that that was not a house you can stay in yeah i don't know i think they were i think they were just going to spend the night were maybe? they going to go yeah, I mean that's not even a house you can spend the night well, in. Like, could, I'd rather spend you, the night in the fucking truck. Well, I I, I kind of would too, but uh, but maybe they didn't, <laughs> weren't thinking it through super. Like like uh, the the implication is that Sally and Franklin uh, were familiar with the place, and that the other three 
would be not so much. And and it sounds like Sally and Franklin hadn't been back there in a while either. So right. maybe they were just but like she mentioned. Be, she mentioned weird. staying there when she was eight. Yeah, and she must have been like at least maybe twenty. So yeah. So 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 yeah. Maybe they just didn't know. Uh, they were going to go check it out and. And after that, they probably were hoping they could get gas, but uh, you know what you do. And then, okay, so so here's here's the thing. I want to return to something I was saying earlier, though. The 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 pacing on the film, uh, we get the we get the weirdness with James Franco in the van, which is weird. It's it's not it's not straight up horror horror. It's not a Texas you know chainsaw massacre sort of situation. There's no chainsawing of stuff, but it's weird. But 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 still, other than that, like. We get to the house. Still, nothing has really happened. Uh, well, the house is creepy as hell. The house is creepy, but it's creepy in just like a dusty old house with spiders in it. You know, it's 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 creepy oh the like, spiders. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, like um, the yeah. Justin Timberlake at one point like goes into one of the rooms, and I mean, have you ever seen? Uh, I, I, if anybody listening, have you ever seen that vine where there's like what looks like a like a just a black ball of fluff on a boat, and it turns out to be like hundreds and hundreds of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I think they were like harmless spiders. They're they're uh, they're, they're like the non-biting. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, basically the Which same thing happened. Technically, there's... spiders. Let's uh, let's not uh, <laughs> let's not misstate our uh, you know phylums here. Arachnids of some sort. Are they arachnids? Uh, I don't. I don't think they are. I think they're. I think Robots? they're non-arachnid insects. I think they've got six legs technically. Some kind of bug. Yes, bugs. and I just pissed off every entomologist <laughs> listening to this. Um, we have to say, all... Technically, they're mammals. They're very small. Mammals. <laughs> uh, well, because of, they have spines. Anyway, a bunch of spiders. They have six spines on which they walk. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So those yeah, are actually so their udders as well. So he sees like this mass of spiders and there's like a shot of the spiders, a shot to him having no facial expression. Then they never go back to it. <laughs> well, and and I'm just wondering, like that, that's not something that would happen. Like you'd think like there'd be like, ah, fuck spiders or something, well, but you know, he's just like, ah, spiders. Maybe he just doesn't care very much about spiders. I mean, some people are like really spooked by them. Some people don't care so much. I don't want a spider suddenly crawling on me. And he if I saw up in a nest of spiders, yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, so he's fine with it. He's like, oh, it's like home. He technically is an arachnid, um, but but the, the house. I don't feel like there was anything scary about the house in the this is a this is a clearly bad thing sort of way. Like the house was spooky. Like it was a rundown, spooky, cobwebby, spidery house. It's a you wouldn't sleep there unless someone dared you to sort of thing. But nothing about the house actually does anything. In the film, nothing in the house. Like the scariest thing about the house in the language of horror foreshadowing to me was just the actual bone totem we see right. the last times we really even see the house. Uh, and then nothing occurs at the house. You know, it's like, like, like it doesn't threaten anything formally and no threats are dropped on anyone there. The house is just, yeah, that's not the house depot. we're supposed to be afraid of. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. And maybe this is sort of the intention because the house that we're supposed to be afraid of looks like a much more normal house. Like it's mm-hmm. in much better repair and it's just, got it's a, a restaurant you know, now. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they moved the house somewhere. Now it's a restaurant. Yeah, which is weird. I, I watched a little making of or or yeah, extra feature thing with Gunnar Hansen uh, revisiting it a couple times. Uh, he just loves the food there. But so 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 anyway, uh, the, the, the the pacing we we get like this nothing happening, nothing happening. Pl- plenty of set you on edge, but nothing happening. Yeah, uh, uh, and disco stew and uh, Shirley MacLaine decide to go swimming. 
No, no, no. It's uh, it's Justin Timberlake and, and oh, I'm Charlie sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, they decide to go swimming, and they they run off to the swimming hole. And Franklin's all bothered that you know he's not going to go swimming, but he tells him which way to go. And they get there, and then they get to the swimming hole, and it's empty. And it was not super clear okay. that, that was what was going on. I was going to ask: Is that what happened, or did they just get bored? I think that's like, what happened. For I, it. I think I think the the place that they stop and sort of laugh and talk shit about Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually the swimming hole and it was just dried up, but the film was not super clear about this. Right. I'm not sure if they even acknowledged that explicitly. That's just my read on it. Uh, so they get there and then they wander off. I'm really surprised they didn't use that moment to screw, not like from a people perspective, but just from like a horror movie perspective. Yeah. Like that would have been the scene where somebody screwed. Well, that's the thing. I think that, yeah, it's an interesting sign. Like in a slasher film, uh, as we think of them as the developed form, I think, yeah, exactly. That is totally time for some gratuitous sex, you know, possibly interrupted by a murder, possibly presaging a murder, but either way, time for some sex and then we can have a murder. Uh, but instead they wander off and they wander towards this other house and there's a bunch of cars under netting, which I'm assuming I was reading that as cars of previous victims. Like they just, was uh, it? I, but, I, mean, but I don't know. Sense. I don't know if it was the case, but that's how I was reading. It was like, okay, well let's, uh, we got to keep these things out of high. So we'll put them under some uh, netting and we'll just keep them around. I, I really like the way that the, uh, the netting like cast these like crazy, like maze, like shadows on the, uh, on all the cars. I thought that was a really cool effect. Yeah. And I didn't even know if that was on purpose either. Also, there was a bunch of weed growing out in the back of that, that house. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Toby Hooper actually called the cops on it cause they didn't want to get busted for filming somewhere that somebody was growing weed and the cops never showed up. <laughs> <laughs> when they said they paid John Larroquette in a joint, that the, they paid him with the access to that whole joint. Uh, that was, um, and then he became a lawyer. It was so weird, you know. You know, he was an actual lawyer in Night Court. He wasn't just playing one. He's a, he's a method lawyer. So he went and got oh, a like Judge degree. Reinhold is actually a judge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> so they get to the house. And uh, and and the house it's it's got some totem stuff too I think well it, once he gets inside he just so he like knocks and then he goes in and this you is know, you know it's really funny about that house if um if you told me that it was just a bunch of art students living in there it would look no different oh yeah you know you, you I could totally, I could see that being this like, is in you fact know, a family a of of converted these aren't bar like, in Portland. Yeah, these aren't like crazy cannibal redneck murderers. These are outsider artists yeah. who um, are frustrated with the uh, arts community not being able to to accept them as one of their own, even though they what they create truly is art. And that's all just a, a metaphor for how horror movies were not expe- accepted by the mainstream uh, film establishment. Right, right. Like, like, like the outsider arts are just really trying to contemporize concepts of... Uh primitive art in the same way that a horror film is trying to sort of contemporize the idea of uh, shared horror at the brutality of existence uh, through this film is that lamp made out of a skeleton exactly exactly which is a great lamp that's such a great lamp I I love that thing like honestly I I know we're supposed to be were they that's awesome yeah it was cheaper to get real skeletons from India than it was to buy plastic (laughs) skeletons Uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's a lot of, in theory, creepy stuff in that house that I just kind of like, that's dope. I, I, I like that. That's a, that's a you pretty know, great I, skeleton bench like there. Some, yeah. I mean, I, I lived with like some weird arts people and like, I lived in a house that was just 
um, basically every almost every item of decoration in that house was some sort of crucifix because I lived with like a, a roommate and she was like a weird arts person and she really uh, enjoyed uh, that sort of thing so there was like these crucifixes all over this house and I my best friend came over there once and she has she has an aversion to crucifixes <laughs> and boy she didn't enjoy that and I totally <laughs> spaced on the fact and yeah yeah that's problematic um uh, but yeah, so um, they go into this house, and uh, wait, no, is this before or after he like gives her the tooth? Um, I think he gave her the tooth. Uh, yeah, I mean that that was just like I mean that that's just, that, I, I thought that was just like a stupid like boy prank thing that they actually did pretty well. It's like hey, I got something for you, and then he just <laughs> drops this like tooth in her hand. And she freaks out. And I'm like, yeah, I can sort of see like doing something like that about nineteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and yeah, so then he goes in there, and um, so you, th- the house isn't too clear, like, there's, like, some sort of, some, like, something's up with the walls that eventually you realize is just, like, human flesh stretched out over the walls, um, but they don't make it too clear, and there's a room in the back, like, you see, like, you see the house dead on, and, like, past the stairs, there's, like, a room with, like, a red wall and an open doorway, and it's literally the only handicap accessible thing in this movie, because there's, like, a drop-down door going up over the, uh, over the step, which I thought was, uh, you know, it, it's, like, the, the, the one people that are actually, you know, considerate towards people like Franklin or the people that murder him, um... And uh, what do you call it? So yeah, so he sees it, and then there's there's a bunch of like um, I don't, it's not taxidermy, it's a bunch of like mounted skulls. Yeah, a bunch of animal skulls, and animals and trophies, or something. Sort of just yeah on this red wall. Yeah, exactly. And then so he walks in there, and he's just like, "Hello, anybody?" And then all of a sudden, Leatherface steps out, smashes him in the head with like one of those cow killing hammers and then you see um you know the blood all over him and you see leatherface smack him again one time drag him in there and then just like violently slide close this giant uh, metal door and that is just you know that is the first like real scene of like violence in this movie and it's great like the pacing on it is perfect the way it ends is perfect and like with like that giant like ominous door slamming closed and i just i really enjoyed that yeah, just, it, just the way that all it, played it, out it's impressive because of how much the film had been sort of creeping along you kind of expect it to then scale up to something bad happening and instead it's just like yeah it's like he wanders into the house you're kind of like oh maybe you shouldn't go in there you know there's some weird grunting noises and you're like hey maybe you shouldn't check those out uh and then yeah it's just like it's just so prompt so just like violently uh, wham, bam, like, you know, Leatherface, wham with a hammer down on the floor, cut to a reverse shot of him twitching and seizing because mm-hmm. he's not dead yet, but major head trauma. Another wham, pick him up, drag him through, slam the door. The whole thing, and it feels it in my memory like a really fast. It. Yeah, like, yeah, like it, it's like almost percussion as as editing. Uh, and just, just, just how, how quickly, how efficient it is, how quickly it's over after all this nothing happening in the in the movie in terms of like active you know violence and horror uh it's just it was really effective i was like holy shit okay now i now i kind of get it and the thing is the the film what i think is interesting and again sort of off from the later slasher formula is how everybody else gets killed pretty quick now like, it's not like, okay, now we've got the first murder, now we know shit's going down, now we're into the second act, now let's string out 
some more murders. Uh, and then in the third act, we can have, you know, the, the last girl. It's, it feels really condensed here where uh, Shirley MacLaine's outside. She goes in because she's like, you know, where's a, where's a dude? Where's Kirk, I think yeah. his actual name. Where's, where's uh, Justin Timberlake? And she goes in and then she wanders around the house a little bit. And she has a freak out in the, the room with the chicken in the cage and the feathers on the floor mm-hmm. and all the weird bone art furniture. There was, a, no, there was a wonderful thing with the bone art, though, that, um, you know, she falls down on the floor into like all of these chicken feathers and she's freaked out. And then you, we watch her eyeline go and there's like, you know, there's a, a skeleton. There, there's a, a couple first. There's a couple of big bones that, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're from a horse or something. I don't know. But no, they're, they, they're clearly like, uh, what do you call the big bone in the thigh? Femur? Femur. Is that the femur? Yeah, they're clearly femur birds. And then there's a, clearly a human foot. And then we watch her eyeline follow the human foot. And it's like tied to a leg joint that's tied to, you know, it looks like a table leg. And it goes up and, you know, there's the there's another femur and then it goes up and there's like a hand tied to it as well. And you think you're going to see a skeleton tied to a chair. But then like, it starts getting weirder and weirder and like more artistic where like, you know, the bones are crisscross and there's like thigh bones. And there's like a skull on top and then it zooms out and it's like, you know, it, it's, it's like a stretched out human skeleton onto a couch with like a bunch of extra bones and like, you know, all of these like extra little, you know, like elements to it. And, and then you just see the couch like full screen. And it's, you know, at that point, it's not, it, it's not like anything remotely human. It's it's just it, it it's it's something that they did, and I think that's just like so effective that it's like a bait and switch because it's like you expect oh you know there's going to be a skeleton tied to a chair spooky but it's not that at all yeah it, it, and it's I, an art I, installation it's an art piece at that point it's like wow okay these people are yeah. whatever's going on and here, then there's some um, serious yeah and then there's a uh, there, there's a hanging um there's a hanging what do you call it a hanging skull and it looks like it's got a tusk stuck through its mouth did you see that i didn't notice that yeah wait, i think i don't know what it was but it was it was it was looked like a tusk i spent, um I, I i have to say i spent a little bit of this scene uh being annoyed by the like the first couple shots of it uh you know to the point where i i, I sort of made notes about it because her having horror at this room makes total sense to me but what we get cinematically when she did she like trip and fall into the room or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we see her look up and we see a really horrified reaction on her face. Uh, and then cross cut to a chicken in a cage. Yeah. That and you was know what? Uh, a chicken in a cage is not a horrifying sight. It's, it's, it might be a little bit weird. You're like, really? You're keeping a chicken in a cage, but, uh, Oh yes. That, I'm sure that didn't come up earlier with a barbecue. Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to read vegetarianism in this. <laughs> But yeah, I just I thought it was weird cinematically because like it's like they just timed the the look of horror raw. Like if she'd looked up with just sort of like a, a an uncomprehending look or something, and then we'd gotten the tour of the room and then come back to sheer horror, that would have made perfect sense. But instead, I was like, chickens are not that scary. Was my immediate? It it it, it, it took You've me out of it a little bit. You've been beat up by there. a chicken, sir. Well, yeah, it's in a cage. You know, who's got the power now, Mister Cluckers? Um, <laughs> Cluckers. But otherwise, I totally, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The, the whole, like, looking around that room is great. It's giving us a bunch more details about what the hell is going on in this house. And then Leatherface grabs her and throws her on a meat hook, which is pretty brutal. And uh, although it's, so it's they, not brutally they, shot. 
it's not. And apparently the way uh, it was brutal to shoot because apparently they suspended her using like nylon rope that went between her legs to suspend her. And apparently that hurt like hell. (laughs) So some of that screaming is not acting. Yeah. Which actually that um, there's another scene where um, towards the end where they cut open um, Bell Bottoms' finger so that uh, Grandpa can drink her blood. Mm. That's you're watching an actual finger get cut open with an actual (laughs) knife. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's it. You know, saves you on effects budget. You know, I, I heard different stories about it. One of them I heard was that you know they just couldn't get it to work, like the uh, the prop knife to work. And the other one I heard that they wanted a genuine reaction out of her. Ah. Um, so they did that without oh, so telling it was her, her finger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I thought you were just saying it was like somebody was like, okay, look, we need to we need to cut somebody's fingers. I didn't remember exactly how the shot was done, so I didn't yeah. know if they could have gotten away with a cut in there. That's kind of great, you know, or terrible, depending on how you want to look at, I guess. I, I think everybody that worked on this movie never wanted to work on a known <laughs> again. Uh, so so okay so so we're 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 two dead now. Yeah. Uh, so right now we have left uh, uh, Disco, Disco Stu, Stu. Bottoms is Franklin, and, and Disco Stu has already gone looking for. Not yet. Or, or um, okay. Yeah. After after uh, they kill Shirley MacLaine. Uh, then they go back to Franklin, uh, Bell Bottoms, and Disco Stew. Um, and that's when Disco Stew decides to go look for him. Okay, because I have a note on the dialogue uh, between Franklin and, and Sally, uh, mm-hmm. which on, on the one hand, it sort of reads, like their relationship reads pretty true to me that, okay, this is brother and sister, and so they've got this weird sort of loyalty, but also aren't necessarily full of patience for each other and whatnot. But they go back and forth and talk a little bit, and Franklin's like, Sally, blah, blah, blah. And at, at one point he says, Sally... And she just says, what now? And it, it struck me as much as anything, like uh, the moment when you've exhausted the dialogue prompts available for an NPC in a, <laughs> in a role-playing game. And like, so you just say, Sally, what now? Sally, what now? And, you know, until you catch on that, oh, oh, right, right, you're out of it. Uh, it just, it was a weird little unless moment. Unless it's JRPG, in which case you can't progress the plot unless you do that six times in a row. Uh, and then they get so pissed off at you, they are oh, <laughs> fucking Nintendo. Sons of bitches. Um, that, so yeah, that was after Disco Stew disappeared. Oh, there was two things that I want to notice. Uh, mention well, Disco Stew. Uh, I, I, I want to say really just, quick. There's a beautiful mm-hmm. yellow, red, black silhouette sunset shot of Jerry wandering off to get himself eventually murdered. Uh, that I just like. You know he's going to go get him murdered. And yet there's just this really nice. It could be a, a shot out of a western or something of him. It's him walking off into the sunset. Yeah, you know. To so, get murdered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so when they're when they're still looking around the house, um, there's like this really weird noise. It's just like a grinding noise, and it gets louder and louder. I'm like, is that diegetic? Is that not diegetic? Because you know, there there's there's like this is the sort of horror movie that would absolutely have non diegetic crazy ass noises, and it does. But then it turns out that they find a um, a generator that's like providing electricity to the house, and it's just like, look, a generator. And then there's like this really dramatic lens zoom out of the generator that puts it in full frame and just keeps it there for a second, and and then nothing happens. Yeah. And I thought that was hilarious, and I don't know why because it's just like this, um, you know, it, it, it's just a dramatic shot of an inanimate object. Yeah, yeah, it did not seem to be a comment. I mean, <laughs> and you know, the, obviously they're running the generator, you know, for electricity, but so like, I guess it's it's menacing because that's where the lights that are on later in the film. Yeah. I don't really know what they were going like, for. There. They, is that? Yeah. And then, Oh, and then Justin Timberlake um, says, it's like, it's like, Oh, look, he sees the house and he doesn't say, Hey, a house. He says gasoline. I'm like, what? 
handbag. <laughs> well, I mean, you needed gas for the van, right? And yeah, I guess I know, but in like, a sense, the generator terrible. running is menacing in so far as clearly there They're is gas available gas. in the vicinity, despite the lack of gas at the station. We don't know yet that the station is Wouldn't part of the same family. Wouldn't that be the opposite of menacing? Wouldn't that be relieving? Well, you could. I, I'm I'm stretching. I'm stretching to find it menacing. I'm stretching to say, okay, there. That's they, not okay. They weren't able to get podcast. gas, and yet there's gas here. What's you know? Uh, but yeah, I I can't really take anything. <laughs> there can't that. be gas in two places. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. He's just like you know. So we'll give him some money. I'll leave my guitar. We'll get the gas, and then we'll come back, and I'll get my guitar and give him some more money. And she's like, nobody wants your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, he wanders <laughs> off. He gets killed. You know, it's it's almost funny when he gets killed because it's like, okay, well now here's another dead person. Um, well, I mean, the way he gets killed is great too because he 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 also goes into the house. Um, and then you know he he hears like some sort of noise and eventually it turns out to be like knocking. He goes into that uh, the the kitchen where Leatherface um, killed the uh, the other two and there's like knocking coming out of the freezer and he opens it up and there's uh, Shirley MacLaine's body. And it looks totally dead. And then it zoom in and she freaks out. And there's like this like sound effect. And I thought that was like for like a jump scare. That was a really good jump scare. And then Leatherface breaks in and kills him. Yeah. Um, and then again, just nothing. That's it. That's that's the scene. Well, like, and, uh, well actually, it's not just. And that's that's actually that's, this is one of my favorite things about uh, the movie and about Leatherface as this underdeveloped character in general is is yes. Leatherface yes, abruptly yes. kills him yeah just just mm-hmm. catches him at the axe box hammer to the head uh you know and and that's really basically it I, I had a note at this point before what i'm about to talk about saying i'm starting to feel like this movie could just be a series of like 70 people in a row wandering unwisely in this house and then getting promptly murdered because at that pace we, it was starting to feel like we could really go through a lot of bodies at this rate you know there's no <laughs> spacing out of these murders uh, but then, so Leatherface does that, and then Leatherface basically has a panic attack. Like, yeah. like he, he's wandering around his house, looking out the window, looking around, you know, feeling... He, guy's clearly just upset. He's upset, he's disoriented, he doesn't know what's going on. He was not planning on having to murder a bunch of people today. Uh, the whole thing, it seems like he's just genuinely having a difficult emotional time with this being a murderer... Uh, situation, not necessarily because he's morally uncomfortable with the murdering or anything, but clearly, clearly he is not, you know, the faceless, emotionally distant movie monster who exists just to kill the things yeah, that want that, in the frame. Yeah, at that moment, they set him up as like almost a sympathetic character, which yeah. is, I think, where they actually end up going with him in the sequels. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, that's that was sort of like a really sympathetic moment where he's just like, you know, he's going to the window, he's freaking out, he's like, I, uh, I don't know what to do, what's going on? And, you know, you, and because, you know, he's just like this giant brute, like, like that doesn't speak, so he's got like that sort of like um, childish thing to him, like, um, what's his name, Blaster in, uh, yeah, in, in, in uh, uh, Mad, Mad Max 3. Um, yeah, and then he just like sort of sits down and, and, and licks his pointy teeth. Um, which was just weird, but yeah, like that, that, that little brief moment was, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that, but it's, yeah, it's, really it's a great I, moment. I thought it was wonderful. I was like, this is, I did not see that coming basically. I mean, you don't really know what's going on with Leatherface, you know, and, <laughs> you know, going in blind. Uh, but yeah, I, I, like the last thing I would have guessed was that we were going to then see someone struggle with anxiety about their slasher film yeah. murders. You know, there's a there's a comic. There was a three issue comic book where uh, Jason Voorhees shows up at like the uh, oh, what is the family name? Oh, I don't remember the family name. 
uh, of the of the crazy redneck murder family. Oh, um, it's Willis, something like that. Anyway, uh, he shows up there, and then he like slowly becomes like part of the family for a little bit. But then, um, but then you know they all get into a thing, and and then Leatherface kills him, and then he just rises back from the dead. <laughs> and like the Wikipedia entry on it. Uh, says it's like, you know, Jason rises from the dead and heads away from, like, the family house and away from things like friendship. I'm like, oh. We also get Franklin and Sally after this arm wrestling in the dark over flashlight arguing about, like, going and looking versus not going and looking. Uh, I think Sally wanted to go look and Franklin was like, no, and... But in any case, I, I, again, with sort of effective yeah, yeah, no, siblings no, oh, wait, arguing. no, there, there's actually a, it's a, I, th- I think it's a really sort of uh, scary scene, at least for me, who, again, I'm, I'm, I'm from the city and I don't like it in the woods, um, where, you know, they're just like, you know, first uh, Sally's honking the car and nothing's happening. She's like, I'm going to go look for him. And he's just like, no, she's like, give me the flashlight. I'm going to look over him. No, we're just, we're, let's, let's just go to the gas station and get out of here. And, and Franklin's just like, I don't think Franklin at any point indicates that they should pick them up later. He's just like, let's get out of here. And then, um, then he, you know, sort of wheels himself up to the uh, side of the car, and he's just like, "Sally, they took the keys. They took the keys." And he just like starts violently like honking on the thing, and I think I thought that was really scary, just because it's like, well, now we're fucked. Um, I mean, I I, then, uh, I agree with that, Reed. But but here's a question I, I've never occurred to me to ask you: Do you have any siblings? No. Okay. See. This really got to the, ah, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, are you kidding me, sort of place that, uh, that I have with, you know, I've had dumb arguments with siblings about stuff. And I guess to some extent, it was kind of hitting that note for me where I was like, oh, really? Are we really going to do this? Can we not just pick a place to fucking, you know, go out for dinner? You know, sort of like, it was a big part of that. Or like wrestling over the, the, the Nintendo controller. Uh, I, that, may have, that may have colored my interpretation of this whole thing a little bit. Uh, because I mean, I agree. I, I agree with what you're talking about as far as like the pieces there. But apparently, I was. I think I was more having sympathy, annoyance at the concept of sibling arguments uh, than I was actually feeling the terror of being in the dark at that point for them. <laughs> but I, I also thought it was kind of funny, uh, and maybe this plays in the same thing. How goddamn like panicked they've managed to get, and they have no idea that there's a cannibal murder family <laughs> involved yet. They're just like in the dark and worried about their friends and it's a, it's a little bit funny how much obviously if they had different information they would make different choices but i just i thought it was a nice contrast of their headspace versus the actual reality of what was going on in the meantime in the last 20 minutes and then they leave um, the fucking headlights on on the van when they finally wander off after all sally goes which off is funny because later on somebody makes a point of turning off some lights <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, also, they um, say Sally at one point says there's a light uh, when they're wandering. There, yeah, I, and, and I, I was like I, shining I, down on Frankenstein Place. Uh, I actually, I wrote that down in my notes with little musical notes excellent, around it. Excellent. <laughs> um, what year was Rocky Horror? Oh, uh, mid seventies. Let me see. Seventy-five. So you, that may very well be an illusion. Maybe. Right, let's hope so. Let's wait, no, hang on. So. Hang on. Wait, this is 74, 78. 74. Oh, this is 74, so no. So, yeah, no, that's that can't be. Um, yep. There was the definitely around. a little psycho in this. Um, yeah, that, that, that could be. Um, I, wouldn't be I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be terribly surprised just because Rocky Horror was just so horror literate that, you know. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, so they're wheeling. So she's wheeling uh, Franklin around, and it's like this, um, you know, it, 
if they if it was just slightly less manic and creepy, it would have been almost funny of her just like trying to wheel him around the woods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so you know they're they're grappling with the flashlight. You know they're arguing, and she's wheeling him around. Um, and and it goes on for you know a good bit before anything happens. Too. And then what happens is Leatherface is just right there and just lays right into Franklin with a chainsaw and just he leaps again. The, yeah, yeah. So like, Franklin's yeah. just like Franklin's just like hang on, I think I hear something. And then we see just you know like I guess it's a POV shot from Franklin of just darkness, and then Leatherface just pops out of it like chainsaw pointing forward and just goes right into him. Yeah, just I, like just right into unceremonious, him. just like mm-hmm. okay, that's another dead character, you know. Yeah. And then there, the cue. I'm gonna say like a half hour of running from Sally, <laughs> Sally and Leatherface chasing each other in the woods for like a solid half hour. Yeah, I mean, long. I knew she couldn't die yet because obviously the film would sort of ground to halt. But yeah, my my note there was like, Jesus, is the last hour of this film just gonna be Leatherface sitting around the house sipping tea and flipping through a couple issues of Chainsaw Enthusiast? Because <laughs> it felt like, you know, why don't we just finish it off? You know, we're you're four down, just. And she's doing, like, the worst kind of running in the woods, which is running while screaming. Yeah. <laughs> you need that wind. You need that fucking wind. Also, maybe it'd be harder to I'm find you. I'm over here. I'm here. Follow this way. Yeah. I mean, he did have uh, a chainsaw running, so, like, you know, <laughs> it would be harder to hear her, but still. It yeah, how seem was he like tracking that. her? I, he's just got good instincts. Um, And so... so she, yeah, she ends up running into the house because she doesn't know. Yeah. She ends up running into the and house. she locks him um, out of his own house, which is a real dick move. And oh, you know what's funny? That he starts like trying to, he starts chopping through the, uh, through the door with the, uh, with the chainsaw and he doesn't go all the way through. He starts like making a design in it and then when he finally gets in like a couple of scenes later, he, he, you see him clearly opening the doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> so what was he doing? He was just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. what. Maybe maybe we missed the scene of him reaching through and turning the lock. Maybe he did know that trick. We just didn't get to see it. But yeah, she goes upstairs and, and Ma and Pa are dead. Apparently, it turns out Pa is not. He's a and there's Dracula. A, there's, a, there's, like a, there's a raccoon there too, right? Like a stuffed raccoon yeah, I think or there something? Was some, yeah, there was some other weird shit in there. And then she just mm-hmm. goes out the second story window, which... And that is uh, the the thing where she ends up up there, and it's like that the the light shining onto like the two corpses, one hundred percent psycho illusion. And they even there's even a payoff to that psycho illusion, which was I thought was amazing because in the dinner scene, no, in the very next scene, Leatherface is dressed like an old lady with gray hair. Yeah. So it's it's basically yeah I mean it's 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 just and I, I think Toby Hooper explicitly mentions being influenced by Psycho and I that, there's no way that's not like a direct allusion to, to to the end of Psycho yeah um which I thought was great um but uh, yes yeah, so and she goes out the window and then there's more yeah yeah she throws herself out a window screaming uh-huh. yeah like like you say it's like it's a lot of it's a very protracted. Uh, uh, and then she has a limp, and then she doesn't. Then she, she, she. I, I, I mean, I guess maybe she just like smashed her uh, leg back in because because she's limping, and then she needs to run again. And then she starts running again, and I don't think adrenaline can get you through like a broken leg. Well, the limping might not have been a broken leg; it might have been just like a bad jar, and then she just had to adjust it, and so she adjusted her pace and got sort of like, a, oh, it hurts to do this, but it's also worth doing, and so just ran with it. That's true. Ran with it, if you will. Oh. So she gets back to the gas station. Finally, finally, we get back to the gas station as sort of the payoff. And 
and we get that lingering shot of the red barbecue in the the oven, which also sort of works thematically with the black and red silhouettes stuff during the credit sequence. It's a very stark sort of red and black look looking uh, barbecue uh, situation. Uh, and the, the the gas station dude comes, you know, you know, tries to calm her down, not particularly uh, <laughs> successfully, but uh, he goes to get his truck and doesn't seem concerned about Leatherface, who she also fails to actually mention in her hysteria. So, you know, it's not totally clear that she's not about to Well, see she's him yelling, you know, there's somebody out there, he killed them all. So, you know, they, I, I, I think she gets across the idea to the yeah. guy that something's after her, that, you know, it's like it's not, you know, a guy with a leather face. Um, but, you know, somebody, and he seems... You know, I are you supposed to get a weird vibe off of him yet? I think I was getting a weird vibe in, in there? that scene, but I was having a hard time. Like he was he was handsy in a way that that laid into a weird vibe for me. Like by the, by the time he wanders off to get the truck, I was, uh, I mean, I was already assuming by the time we saw him again that like, well, the film can't just end happily here. So I, I think I was leaning hard towards him being a likely creeper and involved in the whole thing. Cause it'd be a good twist, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but I was getting definitely getting sort of like a feeling off the way that scene went that like, he was a little too calm, a little weirdly <laughs> grabby, you know, uh, I thought that was just a Texan thing. Well, and it could have been, I, I would not have been shocked if he'd wandered out and then promptly had his head cut off by a leather face either. Like I, I didn't yeah. really know where the scene was going, but I was getting that. I was definitely getting an off sort of feeling, Mm-hmm. Um, and then he comes back with a rope and a burlap, burlap sack, sack, which is a really obvious, like maybe he was just counting on her continuing to be as much of a mess as she was. But mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, maybe you just try and surprise the person you're going to tie up in a sack instead of just walking up to him and being like, oh, well, now it's time to tie up and put you in a sack. <laughs> and she, gr- she grabs a knife and then he disarms her by whacking her with a straw broom. Yeah, uh, just <laughs> constantly, just like a lot of broom smacking. Yeah, and I mean, that was lot. that. The, that at, at that point that descended into comedy a little bit just because yeah. y- y- you can't hit somebody with a broom like that over and over again without it being funny. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of hard not to to giggle a bit at that. And yeah. He ties her up and hauls her back to the house. I mean, eventually he knocks her out with that fucking broom too. Yeah, yeah, and then he keeps poking her all the way back to the the house when he's driving her along in the sack in the truck, which yeah. was was a little bit funny while also being effectively really weird and menacing too. Like, you yeah. know, this guy's just, re- but as you noted earlier, he does turn off the lights. He does comment on no, yeah, no he, he gets into the car. He's just like, Oh wait, gets out of the car, goes back to the gas station, turns off, like comes back and he's like, Oh, got to watch the lights, you know, cost electricity to put a man out of business. And I'm wondering if that's all ad libbed and they just needed to turn off the lights. Cause they were just renting the gas station. <laughs> and they're just like, well, we're not coming back here anymore. This is the last <laughs> shot. Uh, just make sure to get the lights. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if it was intended. Like, I, I, I almost want to read that as an intentional contrast of characters where, like, these kids were so doomed partly because they don't, they, they weren't operating at the same class as as the evil family. And so the failure to turn out the lights in the van contrasted with his, you know, remembering to turn out is intended to be an actual sort of character note saying, you know, this is the different levels you guys are even operating on. But uh, it might it's be a little just bit like of a stretch. A- Dad not wanting you to mess with the thermostat thing, exactly. generational yeah. conflict. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, <laughs> so I don't know. I know I've never lived any. I know I've lived in one place that had a thermostat. So that I I only know about that from television. And then, uh, yeah. and then, and then we get the whole sort of family reunion. Everything comes back together to back to the house. I go back to the well. House. He's uh, yeah. He's taking the truck in, and then uh, James Franco's in the driveway. And I mean, I'm 
I, I maybe we were supposed to put together that James Franco is is part of this already. Maybe we weren't. I don't really remember. Um, I mean, I, not that I remember. I mean, I don't really. I don't really recall how many hints there would have been because we didn't really see any of him until after. We didn't yeah. see any of him between getting kicked out of the truck and here. Well, his family lived up the road. Yeah, you know, we right. knew that, but we never found out where that was because they kicked him out because he was a crazy mm-hmm. person. So, in, in that sense, the idea that he might be a member of that family was out there. But yeah, I don't feel like the film got any more explicit than that. Like it's more like yeah. a good bet than anything. Yeah, there's a th- there's a really great scene when because uh, you know as he as he pulls in, you know, he him and um, gas station dad get into a fight. Um, you know, they yell at each other and then he just sort of like hitches a ride, like on the truck. He just sort of grabs onto the side of it as it pulls into the house. And then there's a scene of, uh, dad, like, you know, with like that part of the broom left, uh, and him who's just sort of hopping around, like from a squat position, like just really weird, sort of like hopping, um, all in like silhouetted in the car headlights that are pointed toward the camera and like with like a little bit of mist there. And I thought that was a really like effectively creepy scene just because like all all of the interaction of this family, just like considering everything, is just like this is just this is just how they interact. Yeah, and that 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 was you know just like just between like the the he's hopping around kind of like Gollum from like Lord of the Rings almost. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so that was that was nice and creepy. And he says, um, like, look what your brother did to the door when they get to the door and see it all turns yeah. out. It's like, it, at he, that moment... He it, doesn't it, have any pride in his home. Yeah, that it, was, it's like just another dysfunctional yeah. sitcom family at this yep. point. You know, you've got the sort of grumpy, loudmouth dad, and you know, the one son's a homicidal gentle giant, the other one's a twitchy weirdo. Grandpa's actually a vampire or something, it turns out. Like, he's not a corpse up in the... the the attic with with grandma he's actually just a really really desiccated living person who will suck on blood when it's thrust in his mouth uh you know it it, it could be the cast of a bad like like a weird uh twist on the adams family yeah and i mean it gets to like by the time of like the dinner scene like it gets into like you know like david lynch norman walkwell territory where it's it's just like you know it's it's this idyllic family scene, but everybody's a crazy cannibal. Yep. Yeah, uh, everybody sit down at the table. Let's have some dinner, and she's just screaming. And, and then we go back to those close ups, the eyeballs and whatnot we were talking about earlier in the show. Uh, yeah. And the whole thing is just like her clearly having a total breakdown about this situation. And the the scene with Grandpa, they they want to let Grandpa kill her because apparently it's time to kill her now. So yeah, and, and the there, there's a scene transition from that because she passes out oh, um, right, while Grandpa's sucking her blood, and then she wakes up, and then she's at the dinner table, and that's what I remember from like the first time I saw I saw the movie. Like that is the scene that that really just like got to me when she just like wakes up and she's just like kind of calm for a couple seconds, and then she realizes what's going on, and then starts screaming and does not stop screaming until the scene ends. I don't know if that was uh, if they overdubbed that or something. But it was literally like that scene is about maybe seven, eight minutes long, and she screams through the whole thing. I'm watching this at like about one o'clock in the morning yesterday, and I'm just like, <laughs> my god! You know, I've gotten repeated complaints from the neighbor from the uh, from the neighbors for the TV being too loud um, because I'm a terrible neighbor. Um, Let's just have screaming for eight minutes in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, man, I should lower this, but eh, I'm pretty sure it's low enough. You know. They'd be banging with a broom onto either the floor or the ceiling like they usually do. (laughs) Don't live near me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, so there's just like, yeah, let's get Grandpa to whack her. You know, he's he's he'll get it in one, and then they just like keep trying to put this hammer into Grandpa's hand, and they've got her hand basin, and like Grandpa keeps dropping the hammer, and he's like looking really frustrated. And I think that's the actor because they he apparently it took five hours to get him into that makeup, oh, and they. They had to shoot. He refused to do it more than once. I, I don't remember if it was before or after they got him into the makeup, but he refused to do that more than once. Um, and so they had to shoot all of his scenes in one go. And like, there's a look of very clear frustration on him as he keeps dropping the camera. But it's not like it's not like old man. It's like old, like, you know, decrepit man frustration. I think it's just like, when will this scene be over frustration? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, yeah, it, it's and another it's, it's another scene that's that, that's funny, you know, whether despite itself or by intent. It's they they keep trying to have Grandpa hit her with a hammer, and Grandpa, of course, is uh, incapable of independent physical movement, basically. So he just keeps dropping the hammer and like sort of bounces off her head a couple times. And it gets her once. Yeah, good. yeah. Well, one good the- shot. Eventually, we see some blood on the back of her head, but the whole thing is sort of goofy. Also, a little bit earlier, we had Leatherface like Sally screaming and Leatherface. Uh, just starts screaming along with her. And again, one of those weird humanizing moments where you, you have a little bit of sympathy for Leatherface. He's clearly upset by this situation. Or, and James or, Franco starts howling like a wolf. Yeah. Which there were, there, there was a full moon and there were shots of the full moon. Yep. Uh, but they don't do anything else full moon related. Like there's no werewolf well, no, no, stuff there's, in this movie. Um, they don't, but all the way in the beginning of the movie, right after the credits ends, there's a shot of the sun against the black sky. Like it's clear, like edited somehow, but it's it's very very clearly the sun, but the sky is black, and yeah. I thought, and then they that when the the full moon is just sort of a uh, a full the full the full moon is just basically that same shot back to that same visual, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, 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 yeah, it really felt yeah. to me like, also, sort of like they, a, they're what's, all dressed what's up scary? for dinner. Full moons, full moons are scary. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they're they're all dressed up for dinner, and now because um, because when Sally just gets there, Leatherface is dressed like an old lady, but then after that, Leatherface is dressed in like a really hip '70s suit, which I thought was hilarious. Yep, because uh, he end, he finishes the movie in that suit. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, so they get one good hammer blow. At which point, James Franco, who had been the, this whole time, he's the one that's holding her head in the basin, and her arms, you know, to her back. He lets go. He's like, "I'll do it," and then she just splits. Yep, um, and goes out and another let, window. She's got this window yeah. thing down. Yeah, she she. Yep. Also, it's um, light out at this point, which yeah, I'm not sure how that works. Well, and then they just sat there for five hours patiently waiting for her to regain consciousness. Yeah, why not? I don't know. It just, she, was, she was a guest at dinner. They had like a plate for her. I guess. Plus, you know, they had to cook dinner and maybe people weren't hungry yet. Yeah, and there was maybe. that door to fix. Seems like they're always doing barbecue up though. So I don't know. Yep. Anyway. I, I did like the fact that her hands were tied to the thing, but they did set out a plate of food and a glass of water for her. <laughs> it's the nice And le- she was sitting at the head of the table. Um, like yeah, that was the thing. It's like, were they planning to eat her? I know they were planning to kill her, but it, they were they, her their intent for her got really confusing. Yeah, um, it's a strange pantomime of of actual. I mean, clearly yeah. they were disturbed people, so yeah, it sort of runs with like this is a disturbing failure to understand the way the situation works, and then the banality of minding your formalities and your politeness and manners and whatnot while also preparing to murder someone. But yeah, um, so she, yeah. she she bails, she runs. James Franco and Leatherface uh, are chasing her, uh, and uh, and and 
James Franco could have caught up to her, but for some reason he's serpentining. Yeah, I feel like he's just like fucking with her. Like he's like, ah, she's freaking yeah. out. I'm having fun. This is the best part of my day. I'm gonna extend this chase. And then he gets hit by a Mack truck. Uh, well, no, no, no. That's 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 much later. What happens is she runs out into the middle of the road. Oh, yeah, no, no, that is right then. She runs out into the middle of the road. He grabs her. There's a Mack truck. He gets out of the way. The Mack truck hits a dummy. Um, and uh, the guy in the Mack truck, the Mack truck is called the Black Maria. Or uh, should it should it be pronounced Mariah? Because that's the, that's the thing, right? I, I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, the truck's name was Black Maria. and the well, guy yeah, was I, just, I just don't Black. know what that's a reference to. So, Oh, Black Mariah? It's, it was, it's what they used to call police cars back in the... Uh, when was Black Mariah a term? Oh, yeah, also Black Maria. Uh, yeah, I think it was just pronounced Mariah. Um, yeah, it was just a slang term for a, for a police van. It's, it's what they call... Uh, I, I guess it's the same thing that they call a paddy wagon, but that's racist. Um, so I guess it's also called the Black Mariah. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I guess that truck has the same name. And so she, the, the truck driver gets out to, I guess, get her or figure out what happened. And then he gets into the truck. She gets into the truck. Leatherface chases them. And then they get out the other door. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. Well, Leatherface did have a chainsaw running. So they could, I could see them being like, you know what? That chainsaw could come through this door. Maybe let's rework this situation. It did yeah. strike me as a little bit funny that they didn't just go. But hey, Mack truck's probably slow getting started, too. Probably even slower than a van. Um, like, credibly slow. There's all those levers. Yep. 18 gears. Uh, the driver manages to brain Leatherface at some point by throwing a wrench yeah, with a, yeah, he grabs a, a, a wrench and gets Leatherface right in the head. Leatherface falls, and a chainsaw cuts into his thigh, which was... Yes. Um, it was just, I was just like, oh, man, that chainsaw's going to fall. They're just going to ignore that? Nope, they're yeah. not. But also doesn't seem to really phase Leatherface. I mean, he, he yeah. needs to get back up, and he's not... Uh, Looking too done. I didn't even see what happened to guy the the, the Mack truck driver. Presumably he was murdered. Nothing. Yeah, did he just I, run I, off? I think so. Yeah, because there's because okay. because uh, that pickup truck uh, that pickup truck comes by and like you think it's not going to stop, but it actually just does like a really violent U turn, and then she gets in the back and Leatherface is chasing her like almost like um I'm not going to say almost like it was probably because it's backwards, but like the T1000, like, you know, trying to get into the car, like running behind them. Yeah. And she's just like smacking on the door. She's like, go, go, go. Um, and they lose Leatherface and then he does his dance. Yeah. Like his, so so his the, 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 the truck driver just disappears, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I, I assume he maybe got he murdered and I just didn't see it. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, no, maybe there, there's no. Eventually gets back in his truck and drives off. Maybe they just couldn't figure out what to do. And they're just like, well, we were running out of, <laughs> we're out of money to kill him. Uh, so let's just hope nobody asks any questions. Yep. Let's just hope they're all exhausted at this point. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so Leatherface does does the dance of the chainsaw in his hip seventies suit. Yeah, it's like um, I was I, I I couldn't help but think of like Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs. Like I wanted like you know stuck in the middle with you to come on because <laughs> uh, he's just he's dancing in the in the sunrise, dancing in the street. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the Motor City. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a great closing shot. Just him like doing this weird chainsaw dance in his suit and his his wig and his face, and it just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But he again, this weird, emotionally fragile, odd dude who just happens to be the chief murderer in a horror film, right? 
I mean, like, a lot of the murders that he does just seem to be, like, murders out of, like, instinct rather than, you know, like, intent. Like, I mean, because, you know, that guy burst into his house and he's just like, what? Just, you know, like, his instinct was just smash the guy across the head with the yep. thing. It's like, oh, now I got a body. Um, yeah. When but all I mean, you it's, got it's is sort a of hammer. Everything yeah. looks like a nail, you know. Yeah. Apparently the script, or at least the copy of the script that Gunnar Hansen had, just had you know, mumbles for all of Leatherface's lines, but under it, it, it indicated what it was that he was trying to get across. <laughs> I would like to see a copy of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the movie. That's the movie. And, and yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a gem. It's, it's a, it's a gem just for its oddness as, mm-hmm. you know, everything, the, 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 the flow and the pacing and the, the characterization of Leatherface in that subtle way as, uh, one of the most sympathetic characters murders aside in the film. Yeah, you know, it's really it's a neat it's a neat piece of work. Yeah, uh, I watched I watched a trailer for I guess Toby Hooper's follow up film, uh, Eaten Alive was on the the disc that I rented, and uh, it did not look good. It did not look good at all. And I don't know if it's a bad trailer or a sign that Toby was trying to sort of do the same thing again, but with a different gimmick. Let's replace the cannibals with uh, alligators. Uh, but really, it just, it was... Yeah, was Toby like, wow. Hooper's career did not really... It didn't really take off. Well, it's funny because um, he kept making stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And several of those things are things I have seen even, but but still, yeah, I don't know. Just trying to pull up his... Uh, I don't know how I know. I don't know where I've heard his name aloud, but I, I knew it was pronounced Toby Hooper, and I don't know why. Because, man, he really looks like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> maybe maybe he's Steven Spielberg's, like, alter al- alternate identity. Like, he's... That's 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 why Poltergeist... That's his that's Richard Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that Poltergeist was a Spielberg production and, uh, you know, directed by Hooper was like... That was the dark half. Uh, was there a non-television version of Salem's Lot? Uh, I think so, yeah, but I'm not sure. Because he did, well, there was a 2004 version of Salem's Lot, but he did the 79 one. Okay. And that's the one that I know. Yeah, maybe it was just for TV. Yeah. Um, he did one episode of Amazing Stories. You know, I don't, I've never even heard of Freddy's Nightmares until now. Um, I had no idea that was... That was a show. Yeah, I knew there was a Friday the Thirteenth show that had nothing to do with the film. Yeah, Freddy's Nightmares actually had Freddy as sort of a crypt keeper, if I remember right. I didn't get to watch it. Was it Rob England? uh, I don't know if it was, but it was definitely Freddy. Like, there's definitely some Freddy content to Freddy's Nightmares, even though I think it was still basically anthology horror rather than you know Nightmare on the Street. It was Robert England. Wow, good for him. You know, he was an episode of Supernatural. No, I did not know that. As a yeah, he was he was a a doctor that uh, purposefully. That purposefully like killed people and then brought them back like as a service. Then the done. So he was a good guy uh, that helped Dean meet death. Um, yeah, so he did a couple episodes of Nowhere Man, an episode of Tales from the Crypt, um, an episode of Prey, Perversions of Science, Dark Skies. Yeah, he did just like a bunch of TV stuff um, that, yeah, he just really did not. Really didn't go anywhere after Poltergeist, and I mean, I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Well, I wonder what happened there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I should watch Eaten Live at this point, 
because uh, I kind of feel like I mean he had a movie and he he's he's been working consistently. He had a movie in 2013 yeah. called Jin. Um, but yeah, that's uh, huh. it's just weird to see um, just somebody that like makes something like this just sort of either not make anything really good again or like it would make more sense if he just stopped directing movies than it was if he just like consistently made not great movies. Yeah. But I mean, that happened kind of to John Carpenter too. But John Carpenter just got sick of working for Hollywood, so that that comes with its own um that comes with its own problems. Yep. Uh He wrote 3 episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Why not? Oh, they use the Halloween theme. That's oh, that's so okay. Any <laughs> yeah, now I'm just looking at John Carpenter's Wikipedia entry. He's, he's, or, uh, he's, he's always been a big fan of uh, trading card-based uh, anime cartoon series. Um. <laughs> John Larroquette, man. What, what happened to him? What did he do? Uh, he, well, he had the John Larroquette show. Uh which uh, apparently he was on, and uh, <laughs> it'd be weird if he wasn't. Some, he's done some other stuff since then, I think. But yeah, well, he was uh, on the West Wing, and I think, I think okay. he just keeps doing like TV work. Yeah, how about that? Well, I <laughs> I don't think I have any other uh, <laughs> uh, details about. At this the point, we're film. just looking at Wikipedia yeah, entries for it? what we find interesting. Check out this entry on the on on Kazakhstan. This is amazing. Um, I will say there was uh, special features on the the disc that I rented. Also, oh, yes. had uh, Gunner, uh, who played Leatherface, uh, touring the the house a couple times. Like uh, one time uh, when it was just sort of like unkempt and abandoned, and then later when it had been turned into the B and B, you said it turned into a uh, or a restaurant or whatever. And yep. in that later visit, it had a row of Easter bunnies running up the staircase. And honestly, I think I would be as unsettled by that as I would be by the actual set dressing uh, in the film uh, when they go in the house. It was it was just like a lot of bunnies, a lot. So uh, so you know, horror is what it is, I guess. <laughs> I want to visit that house now, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> maybe maybe it could be like a traveling show. Maybe maybe. Well, all right. Um, so next week we're going to be, uh, we'll do a Friday the 13th movie. Yes. Um, we'll put it up for a uh, vote slash suggestion on the, on the side, which I think was probably the best way to go with this. Yep. Um, 25 words uh, on why we should watch the Friday the 13th movie you think we should watch. Oh, hey, um, I guess we could save this for the next time, but Jason Takes Manhattan named itself after Muppets Take Manhattan, right? Did it? I don't know. It must have, because Muppets it. Take Manhattan came first. And I, actually, I was researching, because I brought this up to, to, to Nikki, and I was I was researching the, the sort, because she was just like, well, you know, like, whatever takes Manhattan must be just like an ongoing thing that's famous. But no, Muppets Take Manhattan seems to be the first time that, that phrasing was used, as far as I can tell. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, you, you wish they'd make. So we're doing Friday an episode of the Muppets called... next time. Yes. because I find them grotesque and terrifying. <laughs> yes, truly. Is there any greater horror than uh, a Muppet? Um, 
So yeah, check 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 the Facebook and uh, get in on that discussion. We'll figure out what we're going to do and uh, check the Tumblr and just you know, if when in doubt, Google. We have such films to show you and click on any link that comes up because I'm sure. Hopefully, if there's other people in the room and like you're having one of those things where a bunch of your friends came over and then uh, you end up just watching YouTube videos, be like, hey guys, you check this out and just pull up our iTunes thing and just be like, you know, everybody get your phones out and subscribe to that right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Basically, peer pressure is what we're yeah. asking for here. You know, be that guy. <laughs> be that guy that normally people would say, don't be that guy. This is an exception. Be that guy. Yeah. And then if you want to use us on your resume claiming that you've done internet marketing for us, I am totally willing to take that call will, from whoever comes calls to check your reference. We will support you 110% on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stick in the landing. Uh, you got anything else, Yako? It's about as stuck landing as falling down and then having a chainsaw fall on you. Oh, my thigh. All right. We'll see you all uh, next fortnight. Peace out.